Hello and welcome back to Dial H for Hero Clicks. I'm your sexy ranch hand co-host Calder Ness. This is a jam-packed show. We're going to be talking about the Hero Clicks for Huntington's weekend as well as my weekend at the Dice Addiction 300 Modern Age tournament. This is episode 363. Howdy, howdy. Let's get rowdy. So if you're looking for emotional satisfaction, my advice to you is seek professional hero clicks. No. Are you serious? Again? How many people even play this game? Like the hundred? Instant deadpan humor. Oh, how okay, six yeah. people think I am funny. It's the hard day's work. Not that you know anything about that. Which absolute fools it's not witcher nonsense i'm gonna make hero clicks like that forever are you kidding me <laughs> hey google back some let's attack jimmy because he's a jerk wow 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 ILH for Hero Clicks is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day, including all the latest Hero Clicks singles and seal products. Make sure you check them out at CoolStuffInc.com. Ladies and gentlemen, use code DIAL5. That's D-I-A-L-5. 5% off your order. Not just Hero Clicks. It can be 5% uh, off anything. Does not stack with your normal rewards, but still, starting off, build up those rewards. It's good stuff. Uh, also, if you want to support the show directly, you can go ahead and do so at patreon.com slash for Heroclix or just go to Patreon, type in dialage for Heroclix, you'll see us, the updated logo. Uh, shout out to a couple of Patreons. Luke updated his Patreon from $1 to $3 per month. We uh, had a $1 patron join with HyperTime. Then we had a $7 Patreon member join uh, by Andrew Douglas. So thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Once again, if you join the Patreon, you will get uh, exclusive access to videos. Uh, our live videos and any like really big, cool, fun videos will be a week early for you to view on Patreon. You'll also be able to join our Patreon exclusive Discord server, which like it actually is a really fun community we built up there with a lot of fun inside jokes. Uh, we're going to start trying to play Bad Samaritan here every couple of weekends of a month. So there's kind of going to be a little bit of a Patreon hangout thing going on. And you can do all that if you just join for a dollar. Past the dollar, you can get stickers and action tokens. Uh, and also, if you join for a dollar, you just get entry into our monthly giveaway. Every dollar you donate is how many entries you get into the monthly giveaway. So yeah, it's all sorts of really cool stuff over on Patreon. Anyways, I am joined, as always, by the Billion Clicks Bruce. What's going on, Simeon? I heard that joke more than once this weekend. It's kind of strange. Of course. Kind of strange people pulling from it. that that literally one video. Actually, I mean, there's several promos, but uh, the one Let's video say. that's yeah. been released with him. Um, but yeah, guess what, Calder? A, a little birdie told me something. Now, let's just mm. say, you know, just close your eyes and uh, blank your mind. Imagine a blank okay. canvas. If you were to put a dot in the center of driving. the United States. Don't close your eyes. Yeah, well, I'm talking to Calder, not to the listener. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know if you were listening. Okay, uh, then I will uh, close my eyes. Hit me with that sweet, sweet ASMR. Send me in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, if you were imagining the dead center of the United States, an equidistant point from all corners, all coasts, where do you think you would position that? I believe uh, dead center of the United States of just the, the lower 48. Is that what you mean? Just 48. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not including, uh, Alaska yeah. and Hawaii, of course. To, because technically, sorry, States. if you include, if you, if you include Alaska, there's actually a spot in South Dakota that I know is technically the center <laughs> of the United States. If you include Alaska, uh, but since they're not, I will say Nebraska then for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> Dead center. Is it really Omaha? Is that actually the no, center? no, it's actually oh, wow. uh, it's closer to like my hometownish area of Funk, Nebraska. Um, but oh, Funk. Yeah, it's uh, population one thirty and dwindling because nobody moves there. Let me tell you but, something. Uh, if if you ever see Simeon in real life, you'd be like, yeah, that dude's from Funk, Nebraska. I can tell. Yeah, I can yeah. tell. You you really can. Oh, yeah. We're a very colorful people in Funk, Nebraska. All 130... Oh, oh hang on. Just got a news alert. 129 of us. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> the, point of this, the point of this exercise, though, okay. was... Uh, <laughs> okay. I got a chance yes. to double down on a joke with Scott Porter this weekend where I told him that, uh, you know, if he was going to hold the Scott Porter Invitational in person... That would only make sense to hold it in a place that's equidistant for all coasts because people on the East Coast are like, hold it on the East Coast. And people on the West Coast are like, ah, oh, beer of the day is or whatever they do uh, in the Pacific yeah, Northwest. I don't, I don't know. The Gong Guy boys. Um, but they also want tournaments over on the West Coast. And I was like, just cut the coasts out, put it in the dead center. Everyone's airline tickets like the same then. Mine's free because I can walk to the venue. Uh, so, like, it's, you know, win-win for everyone. But, yeah, I got to double down on that joke. And so I, I thought I would bring it to the podcast to triple Absolutely. down on it. Let's do it. Yeah. I like it. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Uh, so, yeah, like always, we jump in. We do with what made us happy this week. Simeon, that made you happy being able to make these these amazing next level Nebraska plans for worlds or not worlds but for the Huntington future events. And I, let me I tell you something. Have I got a business proposition for you? <laughs> I don't know if it'll uh, surprise Calder or any of the listeners to know this, but I managed to record that whole back and forth of that conversation as well. Oh, yes. So uh, as a shock to no one that uh, has ever been on air with me, I tend to record things. For blackmail purposes, Scott Porter. That's why. That is true. Um, Simeon could sink me. I could try. Uh, you can't sink things that float. Uh, but what made me happy this weekend was actually, you know, I played eight games, eight very, very long games. It was an insanely mm -hmm. long weekend. My brain was completely fried. It still is because it's Sunday night and we're recording this. So um, brain's completely fried still. But... Uh, through the five games of Silver Age that I played, I didn't make the top 16. I'll get into that a little bit. But through the five games that I played, I met a bunch of fun listeners. There's actually several people that like knew who I was and not in like the bad context like most people do. Um, and then there was several people in my Battle Royals that uh, knew who me and Calder were and uh, had some nice words to say. So it was pretty Ooh. cool. Um, the community, like not only, you know, knowing of me but also approving of me in at least a minimal capacity you know they were willing nice. to play games with me so that was that was fun um but yeah the silver age event we had a ton of fun uh it actually did make me happy sadly the whole time i was on the edge of my seat because i was thinking like oh we'll be done around like four or five i've got this graduation party uh, my friend graduated from college got their master's so i was like I'll, I'll be done four or five party goes till eight. I'll be able to get there. And then it's like seven twenty, and I'm finally wrapping up my, like my fifth game. And I already knew I wasn't making the top cut, but I was like, I just, 
ah, I just really wanted to go to this party. I still made it. I still made it and like, you know, said hi to everybody and stuff, but man, what a long, long day. Yeah. Ah, dude, that, that is rough. Um, but you know, being a little fashionably late, no problem with that. You're, you're fat. You, looking at you, I, besides I can tell that you're from <laughs> Nebraska, I can tell you're the kind of guy who shows up fashionably late. That's the vibe Simeon Bruce gives yeah. off. Let me tell you something. Yeah. There's anything he's the guy to show up to a Hero Clicks tournament smelling like yeah. It's fashionable. You look at him, you're like, that man's homeless. And it's like, oh, like he goes to a Hero Clicks tournament, you're like, oh look at him. He's wearing a tie-dye shirt from the early two thousands. He smells like a campfire and he looks like Quite that. Literally, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Quite literally, yeah. yeah. Like, I forgot to change shirts when I went to the South Dakota States last time, so I was yes. quite literally campfire scented. Um, it was it was funny. It was funny. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I think we're going to talk about what made me happy this week. Also, because both of us went to tournaments, I went to an in-person one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Dice Addiction, uh, which is a fun modern age tournament. And then, Simeon, you did all the... Uh, Silver Age H HDSA stuff. So let's just go ahead talk about the week's events. In I mean, this is sort of news. And then the bumper plays. Uh, but really, it's just uh, it's just sort of the, the week's events. It's not necessarily news news. Um, we will, however, talk about. In order so it's the auction the family silver and then I'll talk about dice addiction however before all of that happened we did get to see one dial that we were very very curious to see and that was master mold so I'm gonna jump into that really quick because I just remembered it just now so master mold has two traits really quick I guess I'll let me tell you his point value here it's pretty gnarly uh, he's 375 275 25 I kind of like the 75 and the 200 point line i don't think they're very viable um depending if he's galactus he looks galactus sized but i think yeah. that's actually blackbird sized base sadly um so Ooh, like there could be some four. shenanigans to do yeah i think it's two by four so you could extend his reach a little bit with some placement shenanigans with the ring to sort of get him to inflate his reach uh, so I do like that a little bit. But anyways, and the stop click is cool. Uh, so yeah, so at 25 points, he obviously has a one-click dial for stop click. He's a giant. You know, he also can very well easily expand your starting area for 25 points since he's a 2x4. Uh, but let's just get into his traits really quickly. So he's got uh, Sentinel Creation Power. Generate any number of characters with the Sentinel and Robot keywords not named Master Mold, whose total points are equal to or less than the point total shown on the factory dial. Then turn the factory dial to click 1, and Master Mold gains a mobile until the end of your next turn. We'll get into the factory dial at the end of it, so don't worry about it. But basically, he gets to pump out a Sentinel, equal to whatever the point value is on the, on the factory dial, right? And then uh, he, get, he gains a mobile, because he made something, so he's a mobile. And that is a power action, so that's pretty cool. Uh, his other trait is his Colossal Retaliation Awakening the Sentinels. Except it's Three, not if his. no other friendly character has been placed this turn. It's not his, that's true. It is a trait, but he isn't the one retaliating exactly, which I think really fits for Master Mold, so it's really cool. Uh, free, and it's a free retaliation, which is kind of nuts. If no other friendly character has been placed this turn, choose an opposing character that attacked or damaged Master Mold, so it only works if they attacked or damaged Master Mold. Since your last turn, 
Place another friendly character with a sentinel or robot keyword such that it can make a close attack targeting the chosen character and then do so. As far as retail goes, this is really tame. So if you do play him at his quote-unquote like like 20-point retail line, it's not really a 20-point retaliator. He'll probably die before he can retaliate unless they, you know, biff the attack, of course. But then it's not just him. You have to have another sentinel you know, to retail. So that's kind of neat. Or robot. So what does his dial look like before so I get into the special power? Or robot. Those yeah. danger room constructs so we were talking about last week would totally be able Ooh, to... baby. But th- yeah, oh, only on his like higher point lines would this ever... Danger room constructs. Oh, no. <laughs> so on every starting line, he has a special damage power. Am I looking at that? Yeah, he does. He has special damage power. All right. And it's going to give him uh, leadership and outwit. When Master Mold uses leadership and succeeds, instead of the normal effects, you may instead generate uh, these two bystanders that he comes with. Uh, or, when he succeeds at leadership, you click the factory dial once. So, uh, both these bystanders have point values, which is kind of cool. Uh, one is sidestep, close combat expert, invulnerability, an 8, 10, 18, 3, light, and size, stuff or uh, colossal not giant uh six range so there's a there's a close combaty sentinel right there wish it had charge but i think it's myriad you can use the uh the whatever sentinels the xdps sentinels to like represent these guys the other sentinel is worth 15 points and it's an 810 18 as well but it's running shot pen blast invulnerability uh so and then they specifically have something that says they take up four spaces. Yeah. So you you, you can use uh, those XDPS. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Oh, and then he also has a stop click on his very last thing, which is stop, regen, mastermind, toughness. Pretty simple. Pretty simple right there. Uh, so his 375 top click is a 10 with sidestep. He only has sidestep and force blast for speed powers. A little rough. So it's 10 sidestep, 12 pen blast, 20 defense, invincible, uh, 5 damage that special damage power. Is 200 point line, which I kind of dig, is yeah. an 8 sidestep, 12 attack, pen blast, 4 damage, 19 defense impervious. And then his 75 point line I also kind of dig is a 5 movement sidestep, 11 attack, pen blast, uh, 18 defense impervious and three damage. He's eight range, two targets. He uh, on his 75 point line, he has five clicks of life. The last one being that stop click. But I kind of dig it. I kind of dig it. I know what you're thinking. Well, now let's get into the factory dial because that is pretty important. Uh, leadership. He moves to factory dial once, which is pretty cool. So, what's the factory dial look like? So it's pretty simple. The factory dial is always in play at all of Master Mold's point values. If you paid 375 or 200 points for Master Mold, at the beginning of your turn, click this dial once. It can't be clicked past click 18. So if he's on his higher point values, you automatically just get to click the factory dial. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So field testing. Once per turn, when an opposing character takes damage from an attack, if the attacker had the Sentinel or Robot keywords, click this dial once. That's always in, in effect. That's really cool. So there's more ways to click it than just leadership. 200 or 375, it auto-clicks every turn. If a friendly character hit an opposing character Sentinel or Robot, get again. Improved programming. Friendly characters with the Sentinel and Robot keywords can use the powers displayed on the factory dial. So this is kind of cool. So point values on the factory dial are zero for the first two clicks, and then it jumps up to three. Uh, sorry, jumps up to 25 on click three, where they can use in-cap. 25 basically lets you generate one of those bystander Sentinels at the whole you have to roll to see when it comes in on 
So that's very fitting. Then it goes 50, 75, and then 100 at click six. And then it just keeps going up by 25 points all the way to 400 points on click 18. Uh, the powers they can use for the first seven clicks is gonna be incapacitate. On click six through 11, it whatever alternates between empower and then enhancement. 12 through, uh, sorry, 12 through 15, they can use super senses and probability control. And then 16 through 18, they can use Pulse Wave and Probability Control, which is pretty gnarly. So I don't think this dude, I think he can be made to work on some competitive teams. But if not, I think he's really just fun, man. Like, I really, I really, really like this this dial. Yeah. You know, it's fun for Master Mold. fun to play Sentinels. Sentinels is already a really strong keyword. So I think casually, this is like a really strong, super fun team. And I think you might be able to make something work. Uh, maybe not at 200, but 75 to try to make Sentinels like really, really work. I think it'd be really cool. Uh, once again, people smarter than me could probably figure out how to like really make this dude work. But I think it's really fun. So yeah, that's Master Mold. And the reason we bring him up is because obviously the first version of Master Mold was for sale at the auction. And people didn't know what they were bidding on. So oh, this I, think it was, I don't know if it was the day before. Right. Um, um, did you ever play with Master Mold? Yeah. The original with the old. I did not. Dial. I've never, so never played a, the old Master Mold or played against it. Very similar idea. I don't remember if the old factory dial gave powers, but it was a similar idea of like you'd crank it up and then on your board you could have, you know, like if you were sitting at 100 points, you could have from like generated actual figures with like whatever keyword or name or something up to that amount of points. So like if there was a Sentinel worth 50 and you had 100 points showing on your factory dial, you could have two of those out. Um, and I played, uh, before all of our game venues got shut down, we did a master mold, like, boss battle scenario where we were playing with the, like, it was right after XDPS, we had all these new Sentinels, and so they were yanking in, like, Tri-Sentinel on the 30-point retaliation line, the XDPS Sentinels, the Stealth Sentinel... Like, just bringing in, like, all these new ones with these crazy powers. And that was already a headache. And then if you're playing this guy... I mean, clearly, if you're playing him at, like, 375 or 200, it's probably casual. And you're cranking that, like, factory dial up pretty quick. Because a leadership roll gets you it. At the beginning of turn, you crank it. Um, if uh, an opposing character takes damage from an attack, and if you've got a well-built robot team, they're definitely taking damage at some point. You crank it or click it. I don't know why I'm saying crank so much. Um, you got to crank the factory crank, dial. Simeon? You can't click a factory dial. You got to crank it. Um, but yeah, I, I can see like, you know, by turn two, I can see like you already being up to like click five or six. And on those, or I mean, even click four, you're able to bring in like a tri-sentinel. That's a robot. You're able to bring in a danger room magneto if you didn't already build with one saber tooth if you didn't already build with one uh sinister like you're able to bring in any three of those at the the only four clicks in and so yeah this guy's got a ton of playability in my opinion even just for 25 points for the leadership even if you don't factor in the factory dial <laughs> factor in the factory dial even if you don't consider that just his leadership that can generate bystanders is pretty solid um, and outwit. So, yeah. 
But anyhow. Dude, I like him a lot. So now that we know what he does, Simeon, why don't you tell me how much money was raised for Huntington's in the form of the auction of buying? Uh, specifically, we'll do Master Mold. We'll go from top to bottom, sort yeah. of. Uh, we'll skip all the lame stuff like the maps and whatever. Um, but have to... what, what, what will Master Mold go for? <laughs> You'll have to add it all up uh, on your own if you want, but uh, Master yeah. Mold went for a whopping $531 plus $3.50 shipping. Dang, bro. We're now, talking if this was like just a, a normal convention, convention exclusive, you're thinking like yeah. 40 maybe 50 Like, I mean, yeah. Galactus was 100 so even 100 pales in comparison to 531 um it's for charity so somebody was just like heck yeah i really like master mold man i really like giving to charity let's combine those two things Mm -hmm. uh next up on the auction was king shazam who's trending on ebay for about 100 maybe a little over 100 uh he sold for 150 plus 350 shipping um the eastview park variant maps which are based on the WandaVision episode where uh or on the, on the magic show. That's cool. Um it says it's a variant map, but I I don't I think they stated that it wasn't like an ROC official map. I can't remember. Those all went for right around eighty bucks each. One went for a hundred, and there was I think four of those. And then the hyper RPG studio maps almost all went for over a hundred. Uh, I think the average was 100, and there was, again, like five of those. Superman Prime went for $202 and $203. There was two of those. A Robbie Reed and the H-Dial, and this one might really blow you away, Calder. How much can you imagine Robbie Reed and the H-Dial going for? Our beautiful namesake, old Robbie Reed and the H-Dial. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, he um he retails for 15 Right, like that's the MSRP when you could buy them at conventions. So he he would be sold for like twenty five ish bucks. So like no one really, no offense to Robbie Reed, uh, no offense to ourselves, uh, no one really likes him that much. He's really not that good. So like even for charity, what what do you get? Like double the cost, thirty bucks, something like that. I'll tell you this: he went for more than uh, Bombshell Raven, Batmobile, and Kyle Rayner. Oh really? Yeah. He went for, I would, he went why, for more than though? all of he those. Like more, than, more than the Batmobile? That's more crazy than the Batmobile, yeah, yeah. Uh, so good old right. Robbie Reed went for a whopping $61 and $3.50 shipping. Uh, Kyle Rayner. 61 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kyle Rayner went for 51 Batmobile went for $56. Uh, Bombshell Raven went for 52 And then we come to... Ooh, the item that got 133 bids, the switch clicks. Mm. I, I know now if, this I, was, if I had to pay this is to like big. win a design of figure, and this isn't a design of figure. This is literally you get yourself put on a switch click base. They don't give you a base. They don't design a base for this. You just have a figure of yourself that you can put in place of any switch click dial. So it has to be an existing dial, but it, they did say it would be tournament legal. So you can play yourself as like Johnny Storm or Reed Richards or, you know, any of the, the paint and take or not paint and take the deep cuts, uh, deep cuts. the X-Men yeah. deep cuts. 
Um, so it was a cool, a really cool prize. It's not a prize that most people get. Uh, very few people actually get put on a sculpt unless they win worlds. And then I, I guess some people get put on a sculpt, but Calder, do you know how much this went for? Did the, did the I, I was tracking it for a while there. We were driving to Tulsa uh, while the thing was going, and um, big no offense to the people of the app, but trying to use it on data, it crashed a lot. Um, so I, oh, I wasn't to able to Wi-Fi, totally see. It crashed a lot. And then when they started streaming, oh, okay. the they started streaming video on oh, it dude, towards I the bet. end, and then it was like twice as bad. I wasn't even able to bid so on anything. I know... Point. Oxit is supposed to be like there's no sniping on Oxit, but like when it crashes at the end of the thing and I can't get back on to vote, kind of felt like I got sniped. Like, kind of sucks. Uh, but anyways, so I, I do hope they um, update the app, especially if they do this in the future. Um, that's just some bit of constructive criticism. Um, anyways, so I saw it at like two thousand five hundred dollars for Set it. having so it, a version it of yourself to... put on a switch click base. I want to say it got up to like That's 1200 when I day one. Uh, so like out, Wednesday yeah. night, it was at like 1200 already. And I think that's right. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, it would have been really cool if as a community, there was a few people, I think Anthony Barnstable tried to get a few people together to get like a community driven kind of thing. I think it would have been really cool if we had conceded this uh, switch click to like Adam Friedman, who won worlds quote unquote worlds in 2020 as like his champion, right? He never truly got like the champion prize that uh, you normally would have from worlds. So this would have been a great prizing for that. Um, but it, none of that happened. It got blown out of the water Calder. It, it went past two fifty yeah, twenty five hundred. It went past 3000. Okay. It oh, finally gosh. sold. With zero dollars shipping, mind you, for four thousand oh, dollars even. Shipping is zero dollars. Never mind. Four K. Four thousand. Yeah, a, a singular person for a figure uh, who I will not name One because they've been paid banned from certain groups because apparently they're uh, not a great person. But I don't know them, so I'm but not going to say that. That's, that's just what I've true. heard. But yeah. uh, I mean, like, four thousand dollars. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I'm okay with that. Four thousand bucks charity. That's good. Um, guys, this is just to be played at WizKids exclusive like events, like official events. That's like that's WKOs, that's Nats and Worlds, and that's it. Yeah. You want to switch click of yourself? <laughs> Go message our boy uh, Hyper Tusonic. Uh, customs on facebook yeah as he'll make I... you a switch click for like less than like 50 60 bucks man like because if it's just like a dude in clothes it's probably pretty simple to like make a custom of that even if you're like hey can you give me backwards baseball or like whatever like or if you if you want a really lewd <sighs> version of yourself hit up goldie han oh yeah the super to, lewd to, version to be fair, goldie han will also do non-lewd versions i don't know of whatever <laughs> Even um, his even his little yes, male uh, uh, hero clicks are pretty pretty handsome looking. Jeez, <laughs> um, this this is where I like I shoot a message to Goldie Hawn like okay never mind cancel the dial H for hero clicks Simeon and call the Chippendale uh, figures no we don't Yikes. need those anymore Simeon doesn't like the idea cancel it. <laughs> I actually uh, love that idea. It's just uh, <laughs> I could never live with myself. Oh wait, I can't. Uh, but anyhow, you, anyhow, can you imagine a rowdy rant fan billion clicks Chippendale figure set? That'd be. <laughs> anyways i don't want to think about it terrible uh good uh, lord 
but four yes. grand but like, raised for you could charity. get those for That's way cheaper point. four grand yeah that's yes. If Let's focus negate, on the race for charity part. If you negate wow. the fact that it's for charity, four grand will buy you literally the best hobbyist version of a 3D printer. Heck, you can get like both types of hobbyist, hobby level like 3D printers. You can get a resin and the uh, the feed one. I can't even remember off the top of my head what it's called. But anyhow, um, you can pretty much print higher quality sculpts than. Uh, whiz kids can make with that level of 3d printer like that's that's like top dollar 3d printer as far as hobbyists go of course there's you know manufacturing ones and like high scale ones that are quite a bit higher in price but four grand is a ton of money for a singular sculpt now it is for charity so all bets are off you know who cares about 3d printed stuff you can you can play yourself in a tournament and that's cool uh next up was a jlu team up card complete set now this is something i one absolutely did not care about because i did not want to keep any of my jlu team up cards but there was 120 of them so mm-hmm. 120 let's say like roughly they're they average about $5 a piece. There's some that are almost worthless and some that go for like 40 or something. I don't know if the Amazo ones are still going for a decent amount or not. I don't, I think they've dropped in price. Uh, but the full 120 card set, rather than going for like a $600, like MSRP kind of idea, uh, went for $951. Okay. Nice. Now, the House of X team-up cards was a little bit fewer in that set. I think it was roughly half. That only went for 431 Apparently not as many people collecting the House of X ones. Um, that was... It, I mean, roughly half the cards went for roughly half the price. So, I guess it makes sense. Uh, Spider-Man and Venom Chase Prime set. We had two of those. One went for $301. One went for 288 I actually feel like these. this is like the first one where I'm like, wow, that's it's probably a pretty good deal. You got Doppelganger. You got one of each chase from Spider-Man Venom, Absolute Carnage. Um, that's probably a $300 value. I would say so, actually. That was one of the things that I was looking at bidding on. That and like the Wonder Woman uh, full set. I'm like, that's pretty much like if I could sell it all, like, yeah. You know, I could keep the ones I want. You know, I could keep uh, all the lanterns or something like that and, like, sell the Secret Six or, you know, vice versa, whatever. And he could be like, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, it's like, shoot, I shouldn't even buy any of my cases because I could have got the full set, you know, because I didn't get the full set from three cases, which is, like, $600, $700 for, like, the Wonder Woman. You know, like, you could have just got the full set right here. Yeah. It's, like, a great... I think it's a great deal. (laughs) If I had taken uh, the money that I spent on Wonder Woman and just bid on the factory set i would have probably which is huge yeah it would have not only gone to charity i probably would have ended up with a more full set than what i ended up with um so the wonder woman 80th factory set one of every figure in the set and every equipment went for 810 dollars which factoring the secret six and the lanterns and then all the equipment not too bad pretty solid yeah that's actually you know yeah if you wanted to turn that all around and sell it all, I think you make that 810 back pretty close to it. And then, you know, you sent... It's basically like forcing whoever pays you for it to have sent their money to charity, and that's fun. Uh, 
Yeah, like I, I dig that. Yeah, I love selling things and forcing people's money to charity. Um, next up was the very first Fulcrum Abominus that, except they put Fulcrum. It's not Fulcrum. It's Fulcrum Abominus. Fulcrum. Uh, yes. Howard Fulcrum. <laughs> Fulcum. Fulcum sorry, uh, sorry. Say it this right, is the Howard very first Brock. one that we've seen that we sold pass through your lips. Post dial. So this is post dial. Yeah. Fulcum Abominus, four hundred dollars. Not terrible. Uh, actually, sold for less than the previous one, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's yeah, somebody, a good gauge. I get that for, kid a card. I feel so bad yeah, for him. For sure. I imagine they will. I really hope they do. Um, I hope so. I don't think this is a good place to base these figures off on, these mail-away figures. No, but that's that's what we said before, though. Right. So, yeah. like... You have to factor we, we in the said charity We said last level. episode, we're using this to gauge what someone's interest is. Obviously, someone has the most interest in Fulcrum, Abom- Fulcrum Abominus. That makes sense. Yep. Then, well, scaling down, what was the next ones looking like? Probably what? Brainiac Lex, Gorilla yep. Grodd, and then uh, I imagine yep. Classic Man, right? Like, that would be, for me, Pretty how close. I think the interest is so, for the rest of these figures. Lexiac okay. went for an even 300, and then Plastic Man okay. and Gorilla Grodd both tied at 200. So, there's oh, a pretty big disparity in, uh, you know... Hundred dollars less than Lexiac, and then two hundred dollars less than Fulcum Abominus. So that I mean, pretty decent disparity. But they almost went for more than Lady Phoenix, which Lady Phoenix, mind you, still not legal because there's only been a few that have been handed out. Um, this one on auction, whatever, right? Went for two hundred and fifteen dollars. Um, so like, well, that's a steal. That's a whoa. That's judges, hold yeah. up. That's a good price. Two hundred fifteen is a, a real solid price. Yeah. She was selling for three hundred before. That's hey, someone got a good deal on a Lady Phoenix. Yeah, I think she That's might have gone deal. down because wow. they changed a pulse wave, but I'm not positive. I mean, probably, but, but she also, wasn't good to begin with. You it's know? also like, just at this point strictly a collector piece because you can't even play it in uh, anything other yeah. than like casual. Anyhow, um, then we've got the super pre-release Deadpool kit. Now, Scott Porter said this may or may not include just the the play at home kit for the Deadpool or for the Deadpool play at home kit for uh, what is it? Rise and Fall. Um, Hinting at that there might be there might may or may not be like an Ultra Chase Deadpool looped in with this. So this one went for three hundred and forty two dollars. With 92 bids. I think it was one of the okay, so, second highest bid on. That's things. wild. Because to me, Rise and Fall comes out in like what, a month and a half. Something like early July. Yeah. Or like late June. Like So it comes out in like a month, two months. Um, and, these and you're getting a map and a bucks. figure. And $10. So this is this is $10. Well, where, possibly, and I know it's in obviously everybody big caveat. But like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what we're also thinking? The Ultra Chase if, might come I mean, with it, it was hinted at. Thought? I would really hate for it to be hinted at so hard, and then it doesn't come with it, and you're just like, oh, I don't well, understand huh. Huh. why you would hint at things. Like, I get it's fun to be cute and like hint at things, but like, please tell me what I'm spending my money on. Yeah. Uh, like, I know it's for charity, and that's good, but like, please tell me what I'm spending my money on. <laughs> and then, like, probably it's, the craziest. It's important to know. The craziest value to dollar spent things that were on this auction uh, came up. The Scott Porter Bystander 
uh, pogs, the bystanders. Oh, yeah. um, now, each of these was signed, so take that for whatever additional value cool. as you imagine. Each of these, I don't think there was a single one that went for less than $100. So, let's see. 111, 111, wow. 115, 101, 105, 146.50, and then 120. So just some crazy, crazy. And then I don't. Oh, wait, there was more. 106, 110, 106, 155. Uh, Wonder Woman 80 Legacy <clears throat> card set went for $85. Now, mind you, that's only the seven Legacy cards. This isn't like team-up cards, uh, so that's why it's lower. Um, and then, for some reason, I did not get a screen cap of it, but both of the Play with Scott Porter Battle Royale, like the guaranteed Play a Battle Royale with Scott Porter auction bids... Uh, one yeah. went for 400 and I think the other one went for a little bit more than that. Uh, went for like quite wow. a bit. And that was literally wow. not like a tangible physical prize attached. It was just like you get 50 minutes to hang out with Scott Porter and play a battle royale. Which, I mean, if that's what you want to do, it's a great way to like yeah, give hey, to charity. More power to you. And you get to meet a cool guy that, you know, you play a battle royale with. So. Mm-hmm. But that was the exit that went from uh, Wednesday to Friday night. And then I think the Wonder Woman legacy card thing was an additional after hours thing that they just threw up randomly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then after after all that stuff was done, like I think 10 or 15 minutes later, they threw up like 10 Scott Porter bystanders just like for sale for whatever reason. Right. Um, th- which is cool. I like that. Uh, those all ended up going for more than 100 too. A- at one point in time, I saw they were all around 50 to 40. So I went and I bid each one to $69 because I thought that'd be funny so I could get a screenshot of it. Um, but lo and behold, they instantly rocketed past that price. Not even a thought went into someone's brain uh, after seeing them raised. It was instantly... Uh, bid up a dollar, bid up something, and I was like, "Geez, man, come on! I want my funny number screenshot," and I wasn't able to get it. I was very disappointed in myself and in the heroes community for not letting me get a little time to breathe to get my funny number screenshot done. But that's okay; it is what it is. But yeah, uh, it was pretty good. It was good. So that is the that's the auction. I'm glad you know. Number one, it is crazy seeing how much people were able to spend on this stuff. And there were lots of different people bidding. So just, uh, next time you guys complain about the price of boosters going up, I'm just not going to listen. No offense. No offense, guys. Um, yeah, and I know this is like a one-time auction deal, so I'm just kidding, uh, obviously. But yeah, like I'm glad that you guys were able to uh, you know, do some stuff for Huntington's. I, I know I was bidding on some things, and I was just like, I don't need to win an auction. I'm fine. So I, I bought like $30 for the raffle tickets that night because I think, yeah, why not? We'll be able to play, so I figured that's how I could at least contribute a little bit to the event. So I think that was nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I really am glad. Like end of it, end all, be all. I'm really glad we raised this much money for charity. That's really awesome. So like, I think the Hero Hoops community deserves a pat on the back for that. Like, good job, guys. Good it was job. an absolute ton. Uh, but soon, Man, I'm not even going through all of the uh, items because there was also like mugs yeah. and also some older like ROC maps and stuff that went for quite a bit. But uh, just the things I named off alone, like, I mean, granted, four grand of it, so almost like half of uh, 
not quite half, I think maybe like a quarter of like the total value came from literally one item, but still it was just, it was pretty incredible to see as it happened. For sure, dude. Uh, so do you want to get into talking about the family is everything starting off with your team, my man? Cool. Glad he did that. Uh, so I was <laughs> yeah. not able to play in the family is everything event. So really quick, I want to rattle off uh, my team. This is what I would have played if I could have played in the family is everything event. It would have been Sharon Carter, 35 points, the new Captain America set. Peggy Carter, the 40.1. They are related. They are uh, niece and aunt, blood family relation. And then the rest of the team is Diamondback, a.k.a. Rachel Layton. And then the Scarlet Witch, and then tying everybody together is Captain America. So these are all people in comics that Captain America has dated. So Sharon during World War II, uh, Peggy as Agent 13 right after World War II, Diamondback in the 80s. Diamondback's my personal favorite. She's my girl. Uh, she was probably the one who whose relationship with Captain America made the most sense to me. Um, but it's okay, it's whatever. And then Scarlet Witch and Cap had like a thing in the comics for a bit. I, I honestly hate it when Avengers writers try to do anything with Cap's relationship because it's so lame and cringy. They try to make him have like a relationship with Black Widow and Scarlet Witch, and I'm just like, stop, stop, it's lame, stop. I hate you, generic Avengers writer. Leave Captain America alone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Cap and Diamondback. But this would have just basically been like everybody Captain America was like romantically involved with throughout so i think that just would have been a really fun thematic team 285 points it's got the family tie on there i'd fill out the other 15 points with like something you know uh try to find something that's like sort of thematic type of deal but yeah that that would have been my team but Simeon, what was your team for the silver age event that you actually played in all right so my uh my silver age family team i also had one that i almost played but i thought the restrictions were a little bit tighter um I think going forward, that would be like my main thing is have definitive, like a definitive write out of what is and isn't accepted, you know, because I thought that like cross universe wasn't accepted. Uh, turns out like that wasn't quite true. It kind of was just, you know, play by ear kind of thing. And so a lot more stuff got through oh. than. So originally I was going to do a Spider-Man handstand Spidey from Superior Foes of Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Ling from Earth-X. And then uh, like a Mary Jane, because that's their Mary Jane and Peter's daughter. And then, of course, Spider-Man being Aunt May. And then I was going to do the spider buggy. So it was going to be a full spider like family tree with, you know, the car. So they were going on like a beach vacation kind of thing. Um, that's funny. But I thought it was too cross university because Spiderling isn't an actual like 616. And Handstand Spidey and Mary Jane, we don't really have one from that same universe. We have, like, Spinneret, but not the actual Peter that goes with that universe. And then Spider-Man is completely different universe altogether as well. So I scrapped that one, and I decided to go with a fun... Uh, one of my favorite characters of all time is the super Black Panther from Avengers Defenders War. And so that's the one that can make Wakanda warriors. He gives a plus one to Wakanda uh, keyword across the board. Uh, he has the leadership four through six and he's got mastermind he's got a bunch of stuff that's really good uh 65 points and if you've ever played him he hasn't aged super well those wakanda warriors are kind of just 
not great for 20 points compared to what we have nowadays. But um, it's still one of my favorite uh, characters just because I like being able to generate characters with dials over characters like bystanders. Sure. I really like making more characters in general. Uh, Throughout the five games that I played for Silver Age, I think I only generated a total of four Wakanda warriors. And that's on a four through six. So I was just not hitting those leadership roles. Um, Sadly, ADW is like the furthest back you can go for a Wakanda-themed team. So I went with that Black Panther, um, the Wakanda warrior. Then I went with... uh, T'Challa's sister, Queen Shuri, which was the LE. She's got double outwit, and then for each action token she has, you get a plus one speed and defense to all Wakanda keywords. So when she has two action tokens, everyone had a plus two defense, which was really solid. I played the... uh, I I don't think she's called anything other than Storm, but it's the the queen of Wakanda Storm, so it's Aurora T'Challa. And she w- she came out around the same time as that Queen Shuri. Uh, she has leadership as well. Queen Shuri has leadership. So I'm already up to three leaderships on this team. Uh, Storm has the cool Passenger 3, but only to carry characters she shares a keyword with. And then friendly characters within three squares that share a keyword with her can use stealth, uh, which was huge in most of my games. Uh, and then... To round out the team, I had Azuri, which is the prime from Captain America. It's the rare prime from Captain America and the Avengers. That is, Azuri is the grandfather of Shuri and T'Challa. And then, since I couldn't find another relative with the Wakanda keyword, I just threw on something that I thought would be fun, I hadn't really played before, and that was Blade from Captain America, the super Oh, for show. So my team ended up being like way more modern than I wanted it to be. Uh, but it was still like a really fun thematic team, in my opinion. Um, Storm, I also threw on the Earth X uh, Living Spirits Will Guide Us Wakanda map. So that map allows, with a character named uh, Black Panther on your build, it allows you to re-roll a Super Sense or a Blades roll once per turn for one character. So... Everyone on this team, except I think Blade, has super senses at some point in their dial. And so, uh, I guess Black Panther doesn't either, but he's got uh, he's got Mastermind, so I didn't really need it for that. Um, and then re-rolling the Blades, I only managed to do that once. You do have to be in hindering water or obscuring terrain for that to work. And then the consolation is you only get to do it once per game for Blades and for Super Senses. You only get to re-roll it once per game, which actually did matter the one time I lost map. I did survive with a Super Sense roll because of that. Um, and then, yeah, that was the only map that I chose. I, I went. I also had like Orville Bridge and something else. I think I used the Hyper RPG map, but I just listed them. I was never planning on going to them if I won map. And oh, yeah. sure. So I guess I'll go into my games real quick. The first game, I cannot remember the exact build, but it was a Corsair with the Star Jammers uh, team up card, which turns people with like Shi'ar and I think Imperial Guard or something like that into uh, Star Jammers. Like, so it makes it a theme team. So it was 
Corsair, uh, Emperor Vulcan, a Rachel Gray, or is it Rachel or is it Hope? I can't remember. Don't, don't ask me about X-Men, it's, dude. You know that. It's the, the Blue Phoenix from XDPS. Which oh, that, is. that is actually Rachel. I actually do know that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Rachel. She's yeah. got the bob cut and everything. So, 90s yeah, jacket. I think... I think that's a, a Cyclops' daughter. I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a little family tree. Corsair, of course, being the father, the patriarch of the Summers clan. Um, Vulcan being one of the brothers with Havoc and Cyclops. So it was uh, oh, I didn't know that. Corsair, Vulcan, and then... Corsair's the same father that went to get space cigarettes like 30 years ago, right? Yeah. Then he like comes back all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> that's he Corsair. Went, went off to get space cigarettes... <laughs> joined like made like a pirate ship in space and then was like oh by the way i'm your dad from space and they just happened to be in space fighting with like the shiar or whatever at the time so great timing dad um but yeah i played against that first round i'm sure there was like a few other things in there that i'm forgetting uh it was a fun game it really was um corsair being able to see through my stealth uh made it really interesting I managed to barely squeak out the win. That one's actually up on YouTube. I barely squeaked out a win. Um, he also had Waldo. That's what I remember. He had Waldo, and at one point, I managed to like hit Corsair for quite a bit, and then he healed him up with that stupid little bug that Waldo kicks out. It has a 12 attack with support. That's Ooh, wow. really good. That's just really good, a 12 attack support. Uh, but yeah, I... So I barely managed to win on points on that team. Uh, My team was not the kind of team that can table an opponent at all. I just don't get that many attacks. I think Storm was really the only one that attacked that game. And then my next game was against uh, a Starjammers theme team. (laughs) So this team had Corsair, Emperor Vulcan, XDPS Phoenix, the Rachel Summers one. Mm. Some others. Mm. So this is why I can't remember what each team had is because this was a lot also, of the same here. Also the Corsair with the, the Star Jammers uh, card. And this was like, it was funny because he was like, uh, like I was explaining all the different stat boosts and stuff that my team does uh, before the game begins. I'm explaining it to him like Storm's going to give them all stealth. I'm going to try and keep them in stealth. Uh, this lady gives him plus one defense for each action token she has. This guy gives a plus one attack. You know, I'm going through all that. And then he's like, okay, well, Corsair. And I was like, no, no, I just played against this. Like, you don't need to explain to me what Corsair does. I already saw what Corsair does. Except then he surprised me and crit hit me with an energy explosion and wiped out half my team. He's in like, one turn. that's what Corsair does. And Space so, yeah. cigarettes. Bam. <laughs> to be fair... I knew that it was possible. I just didn't think it was likely. Uh, right. So it was real bad. Um, wiped out half my team with that attack. I just, he did a really good job positioning. I wish I could remember exactly who this was. But again, um, the teams just kind of ran together. Uh, my third game, so I lost, won the first one by just barely points. Lost the second one with like a solid zero points. And then the third game was... Against a Star Jammers team. I was saying so. <laughs> it had Corsair, Emperor Vulcan, the Uncommon Phoenix, 
Uh, this uh, one didn't have Waldo. Uh, um, it had two suited henchmen. Oh, that's funny. And two equipments, and I think he actually had two phoenixes. So it was double Rachel Summers phoenix, two suited henchmen, uh, two gems, like the reality and the power gem. He put the power gem on uh, Emperor Vulcan, which as soon as I see Emperor Vulcan on the map, my team's just like, no, no, no. Like, w- there's no attacking no, that. No, there's, no. I could definitely yeah. hit him. I have the stat boost to hit him. I just can't deal damage, and he reduces penetrating. And I was like, "Right, I've got exploit. I've got this and that. I've got all kinds of crazy cool stuff. I just cannot get Emperor Vulcan down dial to a point where it makes sense uh, to sink that many attacks." So I'm like, "I'm like, try and take out his support. Do this and that." I managed to kill both phoenixes, or maybe he only had one. I can't remember. Somebody had two. Uh, I killed one Phoenix, and this was actually a fun game. I might post this one, even though it plays out pretty much the same as the second one. Uh, Storm literally just, like, turn two, dropped everyone next to his starting area, which was, like, next to his uh, suited henchmen, uh, so I could outwit Corsair's energy explosion, because I was like, my team just stays clumped up, and that energy explosion ruined me the time before. So I was like, yeah, I just... I turn one moved up like 11 squares with like a perplex and Shuri's uh, Shuri's plus one speed token. And then turn two, I gave Shuri another token, another action token, and then carried to like the starting area almost outwitted Corsair's energy explosion and a suited henchman sidestep. Because what else was I going to outwit? There's two power cosmics on the team. Yeah. Um, Then I, I killed two suited henchmen and a... Uh, Rachel Summers Phoenix and I really had him on the ropes and then he killed my storm so my taxi was gone I made some lucky super sense rolls with Queen Shuri and then he took out my Queen Shuri so my outwit was gone not that it mattered Uh, I could have outwit Corsair but that was it at that point and then yeah it just came down to you know can I make enough attacks against Corsair and keep 175 points of my team alive and no he tabled me so that was game three game four so at this point my brain is like melted because i've literally just had deja vu for the like four hours straight so you're gonna have to forgive me but i think game four it wasn't against the x-men what was it? No way. No. Okay. It, it wasn't a Star Jammers. Because, like, I literally told the guy yeah, as soon as he put there. figures down. Oh, it was Wonder Woman. It was, he built a full Wonder Woman. Uh, so, like, Wonder Woman 80 theme team. So, it was uh, Wonder Woman's mom, Hippolyta. It was the shifty Wonder Woman. He started with the one that has the, the uh, gold armor. Um, they banned the lasso, which I was very thankful for. I didn't realize that. I was like, do you not have a lasso on the team? And he was like, oh, they banned it for this event. And I was like, ah, Thank good. Uh, yeah. Um, he had like Steve Trevor, some other, you know, some other things that made sense. I think Cersei was in there. Uh, actually, I know for sure Cersei was in there because uh, she was mystical. And that was the one time Blade really just shone like a beacon in the night blade just you know took out cersei (laughs) didn't take mystics damage but did crit miss on his follow-up attack because when he ko's somebody with the mystical keyword 
or monster keyword he can charge at no cost crit mist on that second charge so it was like i took mystics anyhow um but yeah it just came down to i had really good luck with my super sense rolls he had pretty bad luck with his rolls and then my stats were just super high because of queen shuri so you know he was swinging with like 11s and stuff into 20s and so it was just like a down or like an uphill battle for him and uh yeah i i ended up winning um just barely by points again my team again was not something that could table my opponent it just did not pump out a ton of decent attacks and then the final game was uh x-men theme team with jubilee um gambit captain britain uh the elizabeth braddock captain britain uh rachel summers i think yes from house of x uh or rachel gray excuse me is the name but it's her real name's rachel summers on her card um then a few other random things uh kitty pride and some other just random kind of stuff like that it worked really good so he he put me on the other world map i think the game was pretty much over at that point because uh of course kitty pride or not kitty pride um the the sparkly lady jubilee jubilee turns into the shogo uh transformation thing oh yeah gets protected outwit uh invincible and shape change so just like with emperor vulcan there's just nothing i'm doing like i have outwit on my team but without the ability to outwit like those big defenses there's no way i'm going to be able to deal a ton of damage and so he made a really solid first move shooting gambit almost all the way across the map and getting uh so gambit can target through hindering so like stealth there wasn't a ton of stealth to be had but it didn't matter because gambit has triple target energy explosion uh he did that with precision strike um took most of my characters down to like clicks that i'd rather them not be on they they lose some of the charge and like a bit like the mobility's just gone at that point um i followed up by taking out gambit the next turn he hit me with like a lockheed and some other stuff and at this point it was just kind of you know i had the one super sense reroll because of the consolation and i had some other like you know kind of tricks up my sleeve with like sidestepping and getting into decent positioning but jubilee was just able to target me from like across the map almost she was like halfway up the map and she has eight range uh on that click so there's just no way my team could move up fast enough and uh yeah it ended up being azuri with his 18 he was like hit down to his 18 combat reflexes i just based a bunch of his people and was like sure hope you roll bad uh, we burned through both our charity probs and theme team probs on that first gambit attack. I think I actually burned through them, and then he had a few left over. And that was all she wrote. I mean, it was an uphill battle for me, and it got down to the point where it was just Shuri with her double outwit. And I was like, maybe, except not, but maybe. <laughs> and uh, <Hey>, maybe. <laughs> I, think I, I think I took out, I took out Rogue. And that was, or maybe I, I don't remember if I did, but I, that was like my goal was like take out Rogue. And I almost did with Shuri, but uh, yeah, once she got hit off of her. Oh, the other thing, he had someone, oh, uh, one of his team ups gave everyone 
with the Excalibur thing, Mystics. So normally the Excalibur trait is Mystics TA, but only triggers during range attacks. Somebody has a team up that gives it for close as well. So they just had Mystics. And guess what my team didn't have, Calder? Invincible? Zero invincible. And he took out, he made a point to take out my blade like right off the bat, who is the only person that doesn't take Mystics damage. So even when I was hitting, I was getting like my characters were getting drastically worse. And so, yeah, like by the time I I did hit that rogue with uh, Shuri, I still took a Mystics damage and got knocked off of that outwit. And I was just like, uh, it was it was not a battle I could win at that point. So, uh, but yeah, Dang. that was my Silver Age tournament, okay. and uh, I'll just well, wrap up the rest of the tournament and say I did three battle royales today. Those were fun. I played against uh, Chip Gongai from the Gongai Eagle cast. Nice, Mister Gongai seems like a nice yeah. fellow. And yeah, uh, so I played three battle royals. It's pretty fun. Uh, Wonder Woman Sealed is very interesting. It's mostly one-sided when someone pulls Zeus or Superman, and then when very both true. of those pulled, uh, it's a little bit more interesting. I pulled a Superman with Ferdinand. This one, I felt so bad. One of our listeners actually uh, went like, he tried so hard and blasted Superman for three damage, psychic blast, and it was like a tough shot. Like He needed like an eight, and he got it. And oh, then wow. the next turn, I just used Ferdinand and rolled a five and healed three damage back up. And it was just like, well, that's what top dial Superman looks like, huh? Wow, I hate you. I hate yeah. you, <laughs> Is that not I... just a terrible yeah. person move? It sucks. It's so bad. Uh, but yeah, that was wow. that was the uh, Huntington's uh, Scott Porter Invitational Tournament for me. Uh, it's well, still uh... going on, so... We are on the topic of Battle Royales. I played in three uh, this weekend as well. Same thing, Wonder Woman Battle Royales. First Battle Royale, uh, I was able to secure Zeus, um, and then the other guy got Superman. Um, But he didn't pull very well. Like, he got handed a bunch of generics. You know, he didn't get enough good with Superman. So, like, he wasn't able to make that much. But he probably made, like... 90% 90% of his super senses rolls and he was rolling fives and sixes didn't even need like the four it was it was wild um, but like Zeus just dude I personally think Zeus uh, he slaps he's absolutely point for yeah. point uh, even even in a battle royale style format I think Zeus is better than Superman uh, Superman is kind of scared to hit Zeus because he's going to get off top dial with the uh, with mystics and everything yeah um, he can hit Zeus yes but like it's going to mess Superman up you know, so Zeus can really like unless people lock him down right away. And even when he's locked down, he's, you know, triple bolts, whatever, um, punching people. Hot Dial Zeus is just a beast with stop clicks and mystics to like chew through. Um, but yeah, so I won that battle royale. Uh, the next battle royale, I got like last or third. And then the the very last battle royale, I got second place, which is cool because I got a flash, which then paid for my three battle royales that I was in. Um, it was awesome. The venue was doing $15 battle royales, so normal battle royale price, even though a booster uh, with tax would cost more than $15. So I really, really dug that. That was awesome. So I like the idea of a battle royale being slightly cheaper because you you're not guaranteed to keep what you pull. So uh, that was sweet. But yeah, man, I, I had a ton of fun with the battle royales. Played against some Team Juggernaut guys, the fellas from Arkansas. You know, what did Tennessee? 
same stuff, Arkansas. You know what I mean? That's a pretty, that's a good dad joke. Feel free to use that whenever you want to, listener. Get it? Get it? What did Tennessee? The same thing, Arkansas. Anyways, whatever. Uh, but yeah, like that was just some of the most fun battle royales I played. And battle royales are always super fun when everybody at the table has a great attitude. So, and, and for the most part, they do, which is really sweet. So yeah. Uh, to sort of jump into my 300 modern wow events of the evening. So me and the Phoenix boys plus Zach drove down to Tulsa. Yeah, we had a good time. I I love in-person play. I love, and I never thought I would have to say that, right? Because that's normal play. But I love seeing people. I love hanging out with them. I love talking to them. Uh, at this event alone, a lot of the clicks men were there. And if I don't mention you, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, like, if I don't mention someone by name, I just forgot. But I seriously super enjoyed talking with everybody there. Um, so, like, people I played against that I really enjoyed. Uh, there was a kid who was newer at the game. He was fun. He was playing full juggernaut because he had pulled it in a booster. And I, like, I love the idea of that. And it was kind of tough. Right? Like full juggernaut's not totally easy to be beat. So I actually kind of enjoyed that we were able to have a little bit more of a back and forth game uh, to when you normally play against someone who's younger or newer at the game. It feels a bit more unsighted and you want to make sure they have fun. But also, you know, because it is a you know tournament, you, you still want to win the game. So I was glad that our game was able to have more back and forth just because he was playing such a solid piece. Um, so that was cool. And then uh, Matt Reed, cool guy, listener to the show, talked to him for a bit. Uh, who else there? Lucas Landis, uh, here who's headquarters guy on YouTube. Cool dude, played against him, had a good time. Uh, Micah Love, dude, me and Micah always have some of the most fun games. Uh, Klutzman member, really good player. Um, dude, It's it was crazy. So you know what? I'm going to get into my games anyways. So let me just go ahead and tell you my team. Uh, 300 points, modern age, standard stuff here. I had Micron and Adam, so those two are 90 points. Uh, Duke Thomas making us 125. And then we had your boy. I don't know why I still play this guy, but I feel bad. I still just like playing him. So I was playing Jason Wingard, so now we're at 200 points. Uh, 230 points means we had to add our girl uh, Jean Grey, the Phoenix, onto it. And then what's the less the the rest of that seventy points? Uh, sixty five point Savage Land Magneto, and then the five point Iron Avengers. Oh, so the one that those unfamiliar with Magneto. Yeah, exactly. So I uh, I had a really good time playing in the Golden Age event earlier this year when I could use Copycat. Um, and I'm just like, man, taking away an Alpha's taxi and you know taking away just some small linchpin member of their team. It's huge. And even with like Magneto, who has to be 75 points or less, taking away like a Dark Phoenix retail and not having to worry about killing their retail, like if that's the only retail they have, you know, or something like that, yeah, can just make you. Oh, it's huge. It's crazy huge. So this whole thing is if I roll a one or two, my opponent chooses one of their figures of 75 points or less. But on a three through six, I get to choose the figure. And they both sit on Magneto's card. Um, and then I remove a lost token at the end of each of my turns. So there's three lo lost tokens. So then at the end of my turn, I get Magneto back. And then they will get their figure back first, which is fair, I think. Um, and they are both placed in the starting area. The only bad thing about Magneto is that he's really useless unless your opponent hits him for just the right amount of damage because he's a he's a 15 defense with ESD and like Earthbound uh, top dial. But anyways, like that's what that Magneto did. So the, the team was pretty simple. Um uh, 
move up with Jason, Micron, and Adam, make a pog. If my opponent moved up a little bit, I can have the pog running shot. I would normally make the rookie or Chaos or Bizarro uh, from Red Sun Lex. So, like, those are, like, the main pogs I use to move up the team. So I'd move them up. Duke Thomas has him power, so I basically make him tiny. Micron make himself tiny. Um, maybe perplex up speed uh, with Adam on Jason if I need to get there. If not, maybe perplex up uh, speed with the pog that carries either one. Kind of depends on the reach. Uh, and if not, then I can do attack or defense or something else with the perplex. So we move up with Jason. We drop all the fellas off. Then we make the pog. The pog carries Duke Thomas. That Micron and Adam come with him. Uh, we we can place them in a pretty easy spot because after that resolves, I can have Micron charge or sidestep. But the mo most importantly, I need to have Duke and then the Adam in a spot to use the most of Micron's. Number one, Micron's in power, so that way Adam gets double in powers. And then I also need them all to be adjacent, so that way Duke Thomas can give them their plus ones to attack. Which is cool. Uh, I mean, Micron, to be fair, is already a 12 attack for 4 damage, plus in power, 5 damage, and then plus whatever buffs to Duke's attack, at least a 13, you know, maybe a 14. So that's really sweet. Uh, so I get, a, I get a punch stuff right away. So I get to make 3 attacks, right? If my opponent moves up, I can make 3 attacks. One, a running shot with the rookie, so that's a double target pen blast. And the other 2 attacks are Adam and Micron. Now... I wasn't able to totally successfully uh, do, do this in a lot of my games. Sadly, the team did not work a lot of time. It, it had a lot of speed bumps. And I think the main reason I lost so much, and it, and it sucks when you go to a tournament and lose, but I had so much fun, I honestly didn't even mind it. Um, but the thing is, is that I just realized I need to practice it more. This was the first time I had ever played that team that day. All I had done before this is just like count out squares and stuff, you know? I hadn't played in any Modern Age events uh, in a very long time. So not being well-versed and practiced up on what Modern Age is right now. And I, I get that a lot of things are changing, but just not having played Modern Age in months. I was surprised at how close my games were, honestly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame my losses, not on luck and not on anything else, but purely on skill, and that I'm out of practice, that I haven't played in a long time. And with that in mind, I went uh, one in four. I won one game uh, with four losses, which is really rough. But I had 1,300 points. So I scored a lot of points, but every game sadly came down to either like Jason or Magneto left. And Jason, when he can't make pogs, is a one damage. Uh, and when I, you only have one other figure on your enemy's like opponent's team, here's what Jason can do. Mind control, move you away, sidestep away. That's what Jason can do. Or he can just m keep running away if I'm up on points, which is lame, which is a lame way to play. Uh, Magneto, what can he do unless you punch him first? He can outwit you and he can shoot you as a nine for two damage. Wow, <laughs> amazing. Cool, Magneto. So cool. So like, yeah, I think it is huge. So that's how the team works. Really quickly, first game, played against Mike Askew, uh, I believe, Clicksman member. Super, like, he was one of the friendliest people. I'd never met this guy before in my whole life. Um, probably seen him at tournaments, but, like, first time we ever played a game against each other, super-duper nice guy. Ran double-time platform Doom and Onslaught and Commissioner. Sadly, this was one of the times where I failed that D6 roll, because otherwise I would have definitely gotten rid of his Lord Doom. Uh... But I instead got rid of Commissioner. So failing the D6 roll on this, it did suck. But being able to keep the Rookie Pog out of there for a while was a little nice. Um, time Platform Dooms mean that when I went up to Alpha, 
I dealt Dooms one damage, and then they just moved back, you know? So that was really rough. Uh, and, and I didn't get the running shot off, and I kind of, like, first game of the day, this was not a great first game for me because I wasn't able to make the pog right away because he had Lord Doom. So it was really, it was like it threw a wrench into my plan for a team that I'd never played before, which I kind of needed a good first practice game. But still, it was a really fun game. Like, period for every single game, it was super fun. I had I had way more fun than I'd had in months playing Heroclix. Just people were being positive. People were being fun. People want to have fun. It's just great. A uh, second uh, game I played against that kid, Aiden. Once again, another fun game. We just talked about characters we liked, how we got into the game and stuff, and I just really enjoy stuff like that. Second game was against Lucas uh, Landis. We went ahead, you know, we rolled off, we played. He was doing an Avengers team. I was like, whoa, it's current year, and we got Black Widow on the board. She's really not that bad, but I just think it's funny that someone's playing Black Widow. So uh, it was cool. This was the first time I ever actually, like, I think, one turned a Black Widow, so I was pretty excited about that. That was sweet. It was like, Adam, and then it was like, uh, Micron, and then it was like, oh, she's a 10 attack, mind control Voyager, and then Voyager was like, and I was like, cool, uh, but by the time, and by the way, I made I made the conscious decision to get rid of, yeah, yeah, 10 defense, right? So like, she had, Voyager's got an 8 attack, I just need to not crit miss, so pretty cool. Um, it it was it was one of those times where it's like yeah I'm super happy I had Magneto because then I can get rid of his Black Leopard on his Avengers team because then it actually gives my my dudes uh, my whatever Micron Adam gives them their stat bonuses which they need really like super importantly to hit those 18s on Black Widow and Captain Marvel for his team right uh, still ended up losing like I said I only won one game this day but that game was once again I got like 275 points because I killed a recruit. And the only thing he had left was Black Leopard. So, like, these games were close. I just think I'm really out of practice. Uh, the next game after that was against Michael Love. Once again, super fun game. Went up. I missed, like, almost every attack with my alpha. He went up, did some damage with... Oh, first of all, I hit the Magneto dice. Got rid of his Sky Tyrant. He hit Sky Tyrant, uh, Scarab, Commissioner, Mortal Hulk, and then three Wendigos. And then he had a, a Moloid. And so... Went up, you know, got rid of Sky Tyrant. I think he's probably the biggest threat for 75 points or less on this team. Honestly, Scarab can only deal one damage. Sky Tyrant's pretty nasty. Uh, so, yeah, I got rid of him. I went up. I kind of, sadly, dude, for some reason, when I don't have prob, but I have like a 14 attack, I'll roll threes and I'll miss an 18 with Micron. I'm like, man, dice kind of really do be dice sometimes. So that's like a bummer. But like I was like, oh man, I've I've lost this game. And then he missed a lot of his attacks on his turn, or I made rollouts or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, someone was damaged. Dark Phoenix retail. And then like, oh, now it's definitely way more in my favor after a Dark Phoenix retail killing uh two whatever, uh killing two Wendigos and you know, taking some damage, uh killing a whatever scarab, taking a mystics, whatever. Ever. like healing up dark phoenix two clicks was awesome killing three things was awesome uh dealing lots of damage rotating hulk a couple of times uh micron adam rookie getting their shots in and i was like whoa this game is kind of maybe going in my favor and then sky tyrant comes back and sky tyrant does sky tyrant things <laughs> so uh i think like the big thing is like if magneto was like a we don't take them off the board, but it was like purely a copycat thing where I get to have that figure. And like, I think I probably would have won more of these games. 
but still i think taking that figure off the board is huge but lost that game but once again that was like i got 200 something points and then he wiped me but i was like man that was again a really close game and let me tell you something guys jason is still crazy good uh even though mind control i can only mind control twice now because of at no cost being ruled as free which is really like a huge bummer so jason doesn't pop off like he used to Look, I never hit my mind control chains anyways. Like, it just doesn't happen. So, having uh, having Jason... Sorry for, like, standing so far away from the mic. Goodness gracious. Audio is going to be like... Simeon's like, oh, I got to make the audio louder. It sucks. Anyways, um, I I never hit mind control chains with Jason anyways. So, like... And half the time, I'm like, Micron Adam, punch, punch. Uh, make a pog, punch, whatever. I'm like, I don't even have actions for Jason to do anything. You know? So, it's like, I don't even, I don't even need Jason half the time. Uh, just make pogs, make me pogs, Jason, go pog boy. Like that's, that's what Jason is pog boy. So like, that's all I need. Um, so like that was another great game. And then last game, played against Zach Pogany local here in Sioux Falls. So in the South Dakota area, uh, he was playing triple super scroll, double guy gardener, and then green lantern, uh, not a theme team. I uh, would, would have been dope if super scrolls had Herald for whatever reason, or if Guy had Soldier for whatever reason, but sadly was not able to be a theme team, which which is really a big bummer. But uh, like that was another tough team. It came down to one Super Scroll versus uh, one uh, my Jason Wingard. So I also lost the D6 roll on this. I would have personally taken his Green Lantern, so he wouldn't have been able to carry up, make him just have more action tokens, you know, mess with their action economy a little bit. Um, but I lost it, so we just got rid of one of his Super Scrolls, which is a smart call. Uh, it ended up just being a full dial Super Scroll at 50 versus Jason. And Jason and Super Scroll just kept making shape changes back and forth. And Jason can't damage Super Scroll. Not top dial anyways. He's got to get hit to mid and then, you know, blades him. So, like, just the fact of, like, how many shape changes we both made back and forth is just hilarious. So that was a super fun game. But seriously, had a fun team, had a fun game. Had a fun team. I want to play it more. I think it's. I think it's a good team. I think I should just practice it a lot more. There's lots of placement and things that I know I messed up on. I think it's fun. Uh, but like other people we saw there, James, the guy that runs the event, super cool dude, super fun. Uh, Brad Broyles was there. Always a fun guy. He's the one that makes the roll twenty tokens. Like, dude, so great. So many great, awesome people. I was able to see that day, uh, and it was fun. Caleb, Dustin from Clicksman. Uh, Zach, uh, a few other people, like I just, Justin, like there's tons of people that were there. Sadly, I wasn't able to even play against, like obviously you can't play against all of them. Uh, Edward Shelton went and got lunch. Uh, he also uh, took us to this really awesome place for dinner. Like eating out with Ed is always a fun time. You know, it's like just absolutely every single time I go, I have tons of fun. So I was really thankful for that. And thank you so much for Dice Addiction for hosting the event. So that was my huge long rant about my games. So me and Simeon got our game rants out of the way, but it was it, seriously, it made me happy. It was awesome. It was it was like the most fun I had playing Hero Hooks in a really long time. So I was super thankful for that. Yeah. I will say But all right. I think the Scott Porter Invitational if it goes in person uh in the future, which sounds like they they might try and do it in person. Um well, I, it sounds like they're clearly going to try and do it again. And maybe next year's will be in person. If not next year, it'll be the year after or whatever it ends up being. But, uh, yeah, I think it'd be way more fun in person. I just truly, like, Roll20 hurts my brain. It, 
I know. I don't know why I'm it saps the fun out of it. it. Really sucks. <laughs> yeah, when I'm in person, I'm like sitting down almost the same amount of time. But when I'm on Roll Twenty and Discord, not only do I have to sit there, I also like I have to have my headphones on. Otherwise, I can't hear when they call. Like you know, when they interact with you or whatever. While when I'm at an in-person event, I can get up and mingle and like talk to people and. Uh, it's not yeah, like 12 really people nice. shouting that's in the huge. same chat channel over each other. It's, you know, a few people yeah. like, discussing something in a corner or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really liked the online aspect. It allowed a ton of people. We I played with one dude, one of my games. I, I can't remember his name because I can't remember anyone's name. My brain is literally fried. But I, pray, I played with one guy from uh, Australia and... It, he started the game at like 1 a.m. Like when it was 10 a.m. What here, a trooper, man. It was 1 a.m. there. And not only that, but he had just moved. So he was pulling a simian and he was playing like his computer was set up on cardboard boxes. Yes! <laughs> and uh, it gets even better because he had to use his phone as a mobile hotspot so that he had internet. Oh so my god. He was like, I love it. Running Discord like chat on his phone yes, and then yes. using his uh hotspot to like get onto roll 20 and stuff um but yeah it was uh just like the amount of people that uh were able to participate from uh across like the world was pretty cool it wasn't nearly as many as i was hoping but there were like several in uh each event so that was really cool i hope they keep that part of the online aspect because that's nice but i'm just a sucker for in-person play I just really oh, for not sure, so much man. a sucker for in-person play, but man, do I hate Roll Twenty! I just I hate it so bad. It's it's sort of the thing like if you boil a game down to its its core components, it's no longer fun to play. Yeah, like if it's just terrain on map, picture of figure, aisle stats, it's not fun. If you feel like a robot running a a simulation or like a system reboot, like how like text to play. People on H3 Realms, y'all can't be serious. You think text-to-play is fun. Like, get, get out of here with that jazz. You got to be crazy. Um, <laughs> they try, like, Yeah, they definitely 20, try. Boil. Oh, they totally do. Um, been on this text-to-play game for 10 years now. Uh, I sure hope, see, like, whatever. I sure hope Molecule Man from Avengers can make this attack in the next five months. Like, awesome, cool. Anyways, but, like, when you boil something down to its core components like that, it's not fun. Like I saw, it's like some of my favorite teams I saw that day. It was like double Eddie Guerrero and like Sinestro. I'm like, that is so cool. That's so awesome. Like seeing that though, seeing Eddie Guerrero and he, he painted one Eddie Guerrero's uh, pants to be gold. I'm like, yes, dude, other ring gear for Eddie. That's like, that's hilarious. So like stuff like that really adds like the cool stuff to the game. Seeing those figures on the board is huge. Like I, I was kind of mad that I didn't have printed off pogs. Richard Jason's pods. And I was like, you mean I really wish I had these a pods, core concept know? of this game, this miniatures game, is having the miniatures? Yeah, miniatures. Exactly. Playing with the miniatures, and, and it feels like that there's life to it. Instead of this like white and brown and green map, you know, there's there's color and life and stuff, and I just love it. It's yeah. so much better. It At feels better. Each game yeah. on Earth X Wakanda, I had to point out. Because the obscuring terrain, I almost missed it the first game because I haven't played on the physical map in a while. I almost missed it the first mm. game, but I was like, oh, all this off-white on this one side is obscuring. So then I had to make sure I pointed it out to all of my opponents because I was like, just so you know, 
Like when I'm 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 planning on moving into this cloud over here, and it is indeed a cloud, even though it's just slightly gray white. Yeah, it is. It is a little uh, a little hard to see. Yeah, sure. Uh, but all right, that that was our weekends. That was our that was our solid solid weekends for clicks play. Good weekends for clicks play, man. All around. Um, let's go ahead and jump into a couple of questions we got. There are dozens of us. I guess would be community. What would we use for just generic questions that aren't Malcolm Rush? I don't know. I guess the community tag. Oh, don't ask me, dude. Anyways, uh, we want to do the Barnstable questions first, since that's sort of in line with uh, Silver and everything. Yeah. And just online tournaments in general. Okay. Yeah, that works for me. Uh, All right, so, so what's your lead, lead on this pathway? He says, I'm working on an online tournament series. I would love to hear all of the feedback you have on these following questions. So, who would make good judges or organizers? My answers are going to be a little bit skewed for this question because I only have experience with judges and organizers that I've actually like experienced firsthand. So, um, of course, who would make good judges? Uh, I always had good experience with Jay Solomon, um, Chad Birdsall. I have never had him personally judge me, but just from communicating back and forth, uh, that's I, a lot. I always, I always go to him for. Have we had him? Ju- I guess on the side event. Yeah, right? I, I I feel I feel judged by Chad Burtz all the time. <laughs> I, I think he's personally judged me quite a lot. Ah, yes, bad Chad <laughs> Every time I have like a rules question, he's got like a pretty solid answer. Or if he doesn't, he's like you know, I mean, up until recently, it was like wait till the comprehensive rules come out. But uh, he's he's one of those people that just really eats up all of the rule stuff, and he's done a really good job. Especially when it comes to online play, uh, Brian Gongai, host of the Gongai uh, Eagle uh, Clicks podcast, I think it's called, part of the Brothers Gongai, if you will. He was actually one of the judges for uh, this Scott Porter Invitational, and he really? was pretty on the ball. So um, I know he's always been pretty on the ball. He on their show, the Eagle Cast, they do a random questions that he finds around the internet and stuff. So, um, as like hero clicks rules questions, that is, uh, so I know he's pretty on the ball. Um, the progenitor of these questions, of course, uh, to be named Anthony Barnstable, um, clearly, oh, yeah. uh, the fastest judge in the West. I mean, you can't, you can't Correct. not say that. I don't know how his speed translates to online tournaments, but I imagine it's, you know, just as quick. I feel like he's uh, he's like cyborg. He's hooked up to the grid, and and <laughs> exactly. it's <just> instantly, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, so that's judges. I know there's more judges. I can't think of everybody. Uh, those are like I said, just the ones that I've been either in person at worlds and stuff. It's always been Anthony um, or Jay. It's been Anthony or Jay at worlds. Uh, online, it's either been Chad or you know. Uh, this weekend was Brian. So um, those are like the ones that I remember. I'm sure that there's way more judges that I just can't remember. And so I apologize yeah. to those guys. Uh, as far as organizers go, uh, PJ hosted one of the largest in or one of the largest online events when online play wasn't new, but when it was like the mandatory way to play, uh, I think it was like 120 some people in that tournament or something crazy. It was a lot. Yeah. It was just nuts. Uh, and he managed to kick it off and keep it going. Um, so, you know, clearly he's able to organize, uh, the Eagle cast 
So Brian, again, they are currently doing a Wonder Woman sealed. I'm part of that. Uh, they've hosted other things. Uh, we've actually copied part of their the, the pod play, I think. I don't know if they originated it, but they definitely made it popular in their tournament series, at least to my knowledge. So clearly they know what they're doing. Uh, Jay hosted his uh, AFSP uh, charity one, and I think he's done a few others. Um, what is it? Aries Edge did one. So, I mean, like clearly there's tons of people in the community that know how to organize these things. I personally hate organizing tournaments and I'd rather never do it. So uh, not me. That's my final answer. Uh, fair enough. Um, all right. So uh, for judges and organizers, I, I mean, I don't want to echo too much of what you said, but basically the same thing. Uh, Barnstable, Solomon, uh, Birdsall. Uh, I'm not on a first name basis with these fellas. I stick to last names. No, it's just easier that way. But like, yeah, you know, Jay, Chad, Anthony, like those guys, great judges. Like, I mean, and they've all been whiskey judges and everything. Um, so I, I trust their judgment quite, quite a lot. Uh, obviously, Lucas is our local judge around here, so I uh, I dig him. He's he's always good. Like I think he's always does like some pretty solid rulings. And and if he ends up being wrong, it's it's not too big of a deal either because we also have Isaac around here to balance him out. But I guess they wouldn't be tandem judges for an online thing. <laughs> so I would I would just go with uh, with Jay, Chad, and uh, and Anthony here uh, for sure. Organizers once again. Yeah, like PJ ran one of the biggest online tournaments. So like PJ super impressed me with that. Um, he may have started it, but Scott Crampton kept it going by golly. And he he who he kept it going. So uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> so yeah, dude, like PJ had a great organizational tournament. Uh, I've never played. Oh, no, I have played. I have played in one gong guy tournament. Not going to lie. I was pretty much asleep at the wheel that entire tournament. I was phased out. Um, I was like, here I am rolling internet dice. So like that was all right. Um, so yeah, like I would shoot them. The, the uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. I, I completely uh, forgot so that. Like, I even You're not to play it. I'm like, okay, I'll play. Right? Yeah. So so did I kind of to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, like those are all like solid tournaments that were held. I mean, of course, uh, whatever Alex and stuff uh, with the Rock, they do they do things like that. Um, anyways, next up is how many judges do you expect? based on event size i.e to player player to judge ratio yeah so like players to judge how many judges do you think should be there because obviously when you're online and and in real life too uh the judge can't be everywhere at once and with multiple games happening all at the same time there's going to be conflicts of stuff not right. not every game is going to have a rules question but yeah, like, what do you what do you think about that, Simeon? So I'm just trying mom to, numbers here. I was trying to think of this as like a one, like a one judge to like how many people could a judge you know handle? And then I realized it would it they're not really handling individuals; they're handling individual matches. So it's actually double what I was thinking. So um, I think one to twenty isn't too bad. So that gives them ten tables or ten like. Uh, discord rooms if it's online oh, sure. that they have to watch yeah. and i don't think because most games believe it or not go on without a hitch until you and then, like once you get to like top eight if you have that ratio you probably have enough to uh have like one judge in every room depending on the size of the event but yeah i, th I think anything more any more than that is asking a lot for a judge especially if it's you know around this time where there's new rules questions constantly um now like two years ago 
when like the rules were like real solid, everyone had a pretty decent grasp. I'll pretend like most HeroClix players had a decent grasp. I don't really know. Um, I at least pretended like I did. Uh, I, it could have probably been like fewer like judges, but I, yeah, I still think a one judge to 20 players, which would equal one judge to like 10 games is a decent ratio. Um, yeah, that's all I can really think of. I will just agree with that because sure, man, why I'm not necessarily opinionated, honestly, in one way or the other. I think you've done more online play than I have. Uh, one to 20 seems fine. Uh, what did worlds have? Was it like five in, or six judges for a hundred people? Yeah. In person worlds. Um, no, they had, they had more than that. I want to say, um, okay. again, I can't remember everyone's name, but yeah, I mean, they were doing side events, so there's like, two judges for the side <laughs> events, which wasn't that many people, and then they also had, geez, I don't know, probably, like, a dozen okay. judges. No, it's not too big of a deal. So, so yeah, but I think, I think one thing. for every ten tables, I think that's fine. Personally, I think it's fine. Because most online tournaments don't get that many judges. Right. Like, normally there's, like, one or two, you know, for crazy amounts of people so i think that's fine uh number one how often events of different sizes should happen to make the community and or you happy this is tough because i am not the i don't think i am the majority of the community when it comes to online tournaments or just tournaments in general i could do like one tournament a month or one tournament excuse me <laughs> one tournament like every six months um and be happy like if it was just nationals and worlds maybe a states or a wko i'd be perfectly content i am much more likely to just show up weekly for my in-person uh casual play than i am to request like multiple tournaments a month or anything like that um yeah, so I, I feel like I'm probably in the minority as far as people who do play online tournaments uh, in this answer. Um, so if I was to assume based off of that, I I think like one tournament a month is still kind of a lot, even for people that enjoy them. Uh, it'd have to be like two every three months. So it'd be like, you know, one and a half months you get one tournament because I don't know. I feel like people get burned out, but maybe that's just me. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to count up every tournament we've had so far this year. And this is with people not being like coordinated at all, right? So like what what I can remember starting in January was our tournament kicked the year off with the Prince tournament. And there was the coffee popper tournament. And then and now I don't I, this could be wrong. I don't honestly fully remember. Then is it Jay Solomon's sealed, Gone Guy sealed, and then Scott Porter. So has there been five online major? There was also you know, spanning, the like, pre-release by Highlander Games. Oh yes, well that was sort of a one-day thing. I wasn't sort of counting that as a big tournament. Yes, I played in that even. So I'll I'll sort of count that as a as one. Um, and of course, Rock does their weekly Winamap stuff, which is like what one or two tournaments a week, sort of depends. So. I was Brad thinking Morris more like, been, like with, I don't know if he's done a lot this year, but he was doing uh right. So those are once so. again like one day tournaments, but yeah, right. no, you're right. So that he, was like he a, did a lot of one day like tournaments as well. Thing, but. 
I, I guess, yeah, when I was thinking tournaments, I'm thinking like pod play takes multiple weeks, but basically our multiple week tournaments can be done again. Oh, and then there was the make it meta. Uh, so like big tournaments, one, two, three, four, five, six. So like, so there's six big tournaments out of the five months, right? That took multiple weeks. And then there, on top of that, there are rock weekly tournaments, Highlander tournaments, and then Brad's, uh, really sweet idea money uh tournaments that he does weekly or every weekend or so so that's a lot of tournaments already that's uh especially if you count like the sealed ones and us that are different than just 300 modern right you have to build a weird team so like for make it meta for our prince tournament for the coffee popper all that stuff that is uh that's a lot of specific team building it's not just like oh i can copy and paste my 300 modern team so in the five months this year has been on, there's already been, I would say, let's just make it a nice whatever number. Say like there's been seven or eight major tournaments type of deal, quote unquote major tournaments, right? As far as online play goes. So I would personally think if we do one creative online tournament, like how me and you did our tournament, whatever, uh, if we do one creative online tournament a month, I think that's cool. And that's like the family silver age events or prince or popper or whatever format you know what i mean so like i think one major creative tournament like that a month that can span the whole week is fine and then having a weekly you know how rock does winter maps or how brad does his tournaments having weekly little mini tournaments like that that can be done in a day that are 300 modern that people practice for that people know uh, having that, you know, I would say every two weeks, I know there are people that are just like, yo, I want to play, 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 you know, three, four times a week. Um, I would get really burnt out on that. I don't know how some people haven't gotten burnt out on it. Uh, but personally, I'm of the mind where like if people were doing that and the buy-in was cheap. I would play every like two weeks, especially if we can guarantee uh, it was like fun, you know um like how this weekend was fun you know with the fellowship and everything so but online play is once again not just it's sadly by default it's not fun i, I hate to say that that's that seems lame and rude but it's by default not fun unless it's not 300 modern because then that sort of gets everybody a little looser and i think you can have more fun with it so i would say every month to two months have a specialized tournament with weird rules right or a sealed type tournament, you know, so like Prince, whatever. Um, and then maybe every two weeks or once a week have some kind of 300 modern thing. That's what I would say. As somebody who doesn't play, you know, stuff every single week, you know, who doesn't want to play online every single week, that would be my opinion. Uh, the next one. Uh, now, I can't answer this one because my weekend was different than your weekend. But what complaints did you have for this weekend that could be approved? Goodness gracious. Improved upon. What do you expect from a smooth event? Well, I can I can answer the second part. But Simeon, what from this weekend do you think could be improved upon? Ah, uh, the the airing of grievances. My favorite part of Festivus. Uh, what complaints did I have? Well, what complaints didn't I have? Let's start there. Uh, no. Um, I will never know what it's like to run a huge tournament like this. So my expectations of what should be happen are shrouded in complete ignorance. And I'll just leave it at that as far as, you know, if you take umbrage with anything I say after that. Um... So what complaints did I have? The turnaround time in between rounds took so long that my five 
my five matches for Silver Age uh, went from like the start time at like 10 a.m. We didn't actually get going until around like 11, and then I was finishing up at seven. So it was like eight hours for five 50 some minute matches. Maybe they were 55 or 60. I don't really remember, but either way, it was it was just a huge amount of time. And I get that, like you know. I truly don't understand everything that goes into it. I know you have to input a ton of uh, stuff into the win system, so that can't be easy. It's really only one person can do that. It's not you can have two judges entering stuff into the win. So the more players you have, the longer it's going to take. Making sure that the all the uh, points and everything are correct so you're not shortchanging somebody and you're not screwing up the bracket has to be a headache in itself. But even mm-hmm. still, like, that was my biggest thing. And that's mostly because I had like a hard out time. I knew I wasn't making the top cut. I just didn't build a team that was good enough to make the top cut. Um, I didn't even pretend. Oh, because it was a casual day, so you didn't yeah. have to. I wasn't just even one of those fun. people that like pretended like their team wasn't good. I It just truly wasn't good. Um, and I knew that going into it. Um, but that being said, uh, th- that was my main thing. I had a you know graduation party that I really wanted to get to and not that that was the tournament organizer's fault, but just like the, the long turnaround times. And even for the battle Royals, there was uh, this last battle Royal that I was in the time between ending my second one and starting the third one, even though there was like a lobby full of people ready to go, I think was close to like 50 minutes. And that's because they were setting up the, they didn't have a dedicated judge. So the judges had to juggle both the modern 300 stuff and battle royals at the same time, which was just like probably should have had at least one dude just there for battle royals. Um, oh, yeah, but that's you know, again, as I said, uh, ignorance is bliss on my end. Truly, it, it's blissful. <laughs> uh, I will never have to experience whatever headache that is. Um, things that could be improved on, uh, just a like a small critique for the Silver Age. In general, if you're going to put a build restriction like family is everything kind of build restriction, you really need to have it like bullet listed, like bullet points listing. Do they need to be genetically related? Do like, you know, yes, no, do marriages count? Yes, no, do like cross universes count? Because there was a lot of like information going back and forth. Some people that I knew, like their builds weren't getting. Yeah, but Luke, I don't think you understand. I can show you a comic panel where there these two characters were in the same room at one time, which basically <laughs> makes them family related. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's pretty much related, and that's more of like a thing. Like I had a really fun team that I probably wouldn't have done as well with. I probably would have gone zero and five with it because it was real trash. But I mean, I, I still would have liked to have ran it. Like it still would have been, it would have right. made my opponents laugh. You know, they would have just been like, "This is what you brought. You brought this to me. You brought these <laughs> lambs to the slaughter." Uh, <laughs> but no, like uh, mostly just you know, I know that they like kind of rushed to get this done to get. It, I mean, not to get it done, to, but to get all the information out. They you know they had like a deadline they really wanted to hit. So I'm fine with it because this was a. I'm not, I don't even want to say a last-minute thing, but this was a uh, work-in-progress kind of thing, and so uh, the first-ever event is always going to have some bumps along the way. But moving forward, I think having... If you do any kind of specialized format, 
Because like with the Prince format, um, we we had a convention legal list that was like available and still like, you know, there was some, I like some people that would build around it and I was the one yeah. checking the builds and I still missed some stuff because I didn't even, uh, go back and forth because I'm a terrible judge and I don't like doing that. Uh, but I mean, we even like had, you know, explicitly, these are the things that are allowed. Um, yeah, you're and pretty that, clear about that. That build was a little bit easier because, you know, you don't need any comic knowledge to see if a figure is a super air prime or chase, you literally just look at the card or dial um, or the set number. But, yeah, just uh, that's one of my big things. Um, other than that, I I can't speak for the modern 300 because not only was I not participating in it, but unless you are participating in it, you're closed off from those chats. So you have no idea what's going on unless you oh. watch the streams. And so, yeah. <laughs> so sad. Uh, that's uh, maybe one other gripe. If you're streaming and you're choosing what matches to stream and you see a Molecule Man on a map that is Ancient Hold, probably don't stream that game because the first 30 minutes is going to be Barrier. And that's real boring to yeah. watch. Instead I can't of, imagine watching that and being like excited like, at any point until literally the very end when they finally started hitting things. Uh but yeah. I get that when you want to stream, you might want to be like, oh, these are two named players, whatever. Uh, it'll probably be a good game. But honestly, I think you should look at like the teams more so than player names. Because look, uh, a lot of these named players, you know, ones, and by named players, I mean ones that we see a lot at these higher levels, we have a million videos of them playing. Let the little guys have some fun, you know, um, here's stream the their thing. games. I get, I get streaming the top table, sure, whatever makes sense. But like, stream some games that are fun to watch especially if you're only gonna allow certain people to stream at all you know i actually so, i yeah. actually don't get streaming the top tables because if you're doing five rounds of swiss you can stream the top table for like the first three maybe even four rounds but guess what when it's when the top cut is once you, be like once you four, cut four and one give you all the same it, people yeah. there's a good chance that both people at the top table round four and five i mean especially round five but the people at the top table on round four and five are probably all making the cut so you're probably gonna be able to record them or stream them once the cut's been made so heck anybody that hasn't dropped you just film the bottom table the people that know that they aren't gonna make it that'll be a much more fun game because there's no stakes there those guys are just truly having fun, just smashing things together at that point. So, yeah. Oh yeah. When it comes to that's like fun to watch. The fourth man. and fifth round for a uh, like five round Swiss. Fourth and fifth round should always be bottom table, in my opinion. What are those weirdos doing? Like, what teams did they build? Like, that's like the fun thing, right? Is, <sighs> dude, you get to see the cool teams. Like, there was a kid in whatever Tulsa that played a team after my own heart, by the way, uh, Captain America from Captain America, and the Avengers Falcon cap from Captain America, and the Avengers Peggy ultra chase Peggy, right? Living legend team, dude. That's awesome. Like that's a, Oh, and the captain, like dude, all living legend. Are you kidding me? That's an odd, oh, such a dope team. 19 defend. Like it's fun, dude. 
You don't get a, you don't see that at the top table. Why? Because it's not meta. Like the fact, sure, it's not meta, but like it's still a fun team, and I still want to see how it does against other teams. Because then I, w- I would like to see that against the Juggernaut Kid. I want to see that matchup because I think it's really fun. You know, I want to see that matchup against the Double Eddie Guerrero. Which you know, I say that about Eddie, but he probably did better than me, honestly, throughout the day. But like, dude, I want to see these matchups so bad. Like they sound awesome. Instead, I get to see Secret Six versus Secret Six, and I'm like, neat. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that. Glad I got to see that. But yeah, stream stream fun games. Uh, because you're in your stream top. I see what you mean now, Simi. You're in your stream top hut anyways, and you're going to see all the same teams. And yeah. Uh, I agree with all that. Uh, what was the question again? I don't remember. I agree with it. Uh, same thing. <laughs> Battle was, Royales, uh, though, for having you, dedicated. Was, uh, what would was... you expect from a smooth event? Because you can't really speak oh, from to a smooth what event. Be yeah. Done. Yes, uh, I can't. Not for this weekend. Uh, but what you said about battle royales, I also agree with. One or two battle royale judges. I don't know if you're only having one battle royale fire off at a time, but you should probably only need one battle royale judge, and then the rest for whatever. But have just one dedicated battle royale judge. So that way you don't hold up. Because they were only doing battle royales, what, 11 to 6? Which means you could still only do that many battle royales anyways. So it's pretty pretty low amount. Oh, no. They, so, yeah, they have a guaranteed battle royale judge. Just like... Oh, do they really? Oh, they that's not what the yeah, they original were... post said. But No, they just oh. kept going as hey, long dude, as... Hey, dude, do uh, it. Heck, yeah. As long as Silver was going, and it went till like, 1 a.m., so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got out oh, at that's 7. Awful. That is... Uh... The people Good that call. made the top cut had another four, nope, six hours. Yikes. Imagine that day. Ugh. Ugh. Nice, man. Uh, so I dig that, actually. I totally dig that. Um, yeah, run it, at, run it as long as it's going, baby. But yes, uh, have a dedicated judge for stuff like that. Because that'll make it run smoother, just like how you said. There was a big holdup because we didn't have a dedicated judge. So have a dedicated judge, and it'll run smooth. Simple simple as. So that's what I would think. Uh, have enough people in charge. Don't shorthand yourself. Uh, for a tournament to run smooth, make sure everybody knows their role in making the tournament work. I think that's... To cut it to make it simply, I guess that's that's what I would say. Just make sure everybody knows their role to to make the tournament run smoothly. Make sure they're prepared and understand what they need to do that day in order to run a nice smooth tournament. I think preparation is key. Um, honestly, leading up to this, and I didn't play in the Silver Age event, but it it felt like no one was really ready. Like it didn't feel like it was planned out that far in advance. Even if it was, it didn't feel like that from a from an outsider looking in. Seeing how like quickly put together and like, you know, number one, the Wonder Woman tokens, only having Wonder Woman tokens, like it's weird that you only had tokens for the newest set and not any other tokens at all, like for sets that have been out for months. Like I get it, that could be some other problems, but like once again, you yeah. know you're doing Apparently this tournament. That was a roll twenty. That's what you gotta do. And okay. my yeah, well, I don't I don't like, know exactly still, right? how it went down, but I'm like probably should have been prepping like all that like the week before so unless it was exactly the day of the problem occurred it seems like it should have been something known yeah i literally had to something and pull like all of my tokens which i already was like prepared to do that because a lot of like my stuff i just figured wasn't probably going to be prepared but 
I had to pull all of my tokens uh, like day of like once that was announced because it was also wasn't announced until I think like around 10. day before. Well, like once again, that's like super cutting. I don't know, but it was super cutting it close. It was yeah. the day before or the day of, and once again, that once again felt like it wasn't organized that well. Uh, same thing with like the Oxid auction and all the like the live streams before that. It went off pretty much without a hitch, so like that didn't end up being a problem. It super felt like they weren't totally organized. Uh, yeah, like it, it seemed really rough. I will say, um, and this doesn't really have anything to do with tournaments, but um, just with the Invitational as a whole, not right, having a not, singular, yeah. like dedicated text kind of like updated list because there was, you know, it was like, oh, well, you didn't get that information. Well, you have to watch this video. That's like an hour and a half or an hour. It was, it was just really annoying that you had to watch this endless list of like back and forth videos all over the place when we could have just had like an updated list of like new information as it came out kind of thing. Um, again, that's, it's the first time. So I assume that going forward, it's going to be a lot smoother, but yeah, that, that was like a small pet peeve where I was like, man, I just wish I could go somewhere and like, cause you, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this and that. And someone would be like, oh, you can't, didn't you watch that video? And be like, no, of course I didn't. I have a life. I don't, I don't dedicate 12 hours of my day to new updated videos. Yeah, it's a bit much, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I've got to say uh, for that, which will wrap up our, uh, our online play questions, but now, really quickly, just to rattle through our answers, which is pretty much what we said, um, just real fast. Have, like, you know, judge for every 10 tables. Have a dedicated judge for Battle Royales if that's running at the same time. Uh, organizers in charge. We named off the list. So, once again, uh, there's plenty of good organizers in the Clicks community that are well entrusted that I would trust to organize events. Um, as far as frequency goes, me and Simeon said kind of a big tournament, big, big tournament. Every month to two months, you know, try not to have them overlap. Personally, I think it'd be a great idea if we got all the content creators, all the people that make tournaments, we got them on a schedule because a lot of us have a bad habit of overlapping, which is not good. Um, and people like what all of us do, which is huge and awesome. So I don't want make, to make people like choose like, oh, yeah. are you a bigger this fan than this fan? Or do you like because, this, tournament or this tournament? Yeah, it totally you'll, does. You'll it totally does. Your potential so, people in half. Let's make sure we get every tournament has its like due, you know, has its good time. So yeah, let's let's space out the tournaments like that. I think that's a great idea. No tournaments have to fight for people that play in them. And then, you know, have the one or two weekly events, one day events, you know? Because obviously not every event can be a one day event scheduling reasons type of deal you know the only reason that's huntington's ones worked out so well is because we knew about it they did set a date way in advance this is the one thing they were super organized on they set a date way in advance they stuck to it easy as like boom everybody was able to think about okay this is the prizing this is how fun it will be this is whatever whatever you need to do to be like okay well then i will take off time or i will make time in my schedule for that tournament so I do like that. Um, so yeah, that's basically what we said about tournament scheduling. And then as far as organization and what we expect to run smoothly is make sure you have people there to do their jobs to make sure they understand how to do their jobs. Don't try to do anything crazy, spectacular, out of the box. 
you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. That'll make it run the most smooth. You don't have to have crazy cool tokens. Yes, those are nice. I like it when they do have those, but it's not that big of a deal jumping back to HC Realms or Clicks Nexus or whatever and then downloading tokens uh, from like Brad or something and then just checking your dials. It's not that hard. I really don't so, like the sliders. I prefer having like the solid number because there was multiple times and like, I didn't have any sliders on my figures during the silver event, but in the battle Royals, we were using the wonder woman, the wonder woman 80th uh, figures that had like the sliding dials on roll 20. And there's mm -hmm. multiple times where you'd like slide it too far and it would kick back to like one. So it wouldn't show KO or there's one wonder woman that has the uh, like alter ego thing where Diana Prince can turn into her or something like that. And the, oh yeah, secret the guy accidentally slipped it past the KO onto like the secret identity click. And I was like, I'm pretty sure she's dead because I hit her for a lot. So I think she's dead because right. she's only 50 points and I hit her for quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I actually really don't like those. But I mean, I guess some people probably do. So who knows? Fair enough. Um, but yeah, dudes, that's that's basically our answer to those questions. Uh, let's go ahead and answer some Discord questions now. So first up, we have superfan Chance McCall. We're doing his first because uh, it fits with these. So with a few podcasts mentioning Spirit of the Game in reference to Silver Age, if you were the executive judge, what exploits or previous mechanics would you ban, alter, etc. to ensure Silver Age had a uniform rule set and ban lists across all venues? Mm. I actually kind of hate ban lists. Um, I'd prefer, you know, it just it's just right the first time. I get I know that's like asking a lot of WizKids to not make broken figures or something like that. Um, and then power creep usually means more modern stuff is better than older stuff. Um, as far as what exploits, like how would I keep exploits or previous mechanics... Actually, you know, one of my favorite parts of Golden Age is being able to use resources occasionally. So I wouldn't want to ban, like, resources full out. I wouldn't want to ban ID cards. There's a huge contingent of the competitive community that wouldn't mind playing in, like, every so often playing with ID cards again. Um, especially, you know, the people that collected them or you know, whatever. Um, having that mechanic, like, thrown back into the mix every now and then would be decent. Uh, that being said, having a ban list for things that, like, currently, um, what is the, what's the Orlando, uh, event? The Clicks Cup? Is that what they're calling it? Not the, yes, Clicks not Cup. the Olymp Clicks or whatever they were going to go with? Clicks Olympics? Yeah. Uh, because that had been a sue or whatever, a lawsuit yeah, waiting to happen. He can't call yeah. things Olympics, apparently. Um, they they have like an updating uh, ban list as they test figures for silver, which I'm I just feel like let people go and uh, it's not silver I guess I don't know what their events actually. Well, they have a casual night and then they have a normal silver for 400 400 okay. point silver. Um, I think 400 point silver is going to follow a normal ban list. I don't even think Unimind or anything else are going to be banned on it either. Yeah, I'm like, don't ban Unimind. Don't ban Goblin King. Allow those pieces to be played. If they become a problem where you're seeing like nothing can possibly get past them and it becomes an issue, but uh, you're entering a competitive atmosphere, you should have access to all previous things, especially if they were never banned for 300 modern. 
um, which almost everything wasn't. Uh, I guess Felix Faust being the one exception, and I've had a few people tell me that he really wasn't that bad, which I, I don't know. I never, I truly never had to play against it more than once or twice and never in like a competitive event. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I would say a rotating ban list, which is what I said. I've said it like once or twice before. Um, as I just said, I don't like banning things. I think a, let's call it a rotating bench list to, to get on WizKids. Ooh, ooh. Uh, but yeah, you see something win, and like let's say they do the Clicks Cup every six months, so it's a biannual event. First time around, zero ban list. Top eight teams, like each, you know, like you take the top eight teams, and none of those elements are allowed for the next one. And then the six months after that, everything's allowed again. And then, you know, top eight teams, everything's banned. And then, you know, six months later, you have to work with that ban list. And then it just keeps going. So uh, maybe it, you know, it evolves and things that got banned the first time around aren't banned the second time around or et cetera, et cetera kind of thing. Um, But yeah, just keeping, I think, top eight, you know, that's usually quite a variety. Uh, You'll probably see some of the similar things, but that's quite enough of a variety where you're going to have a completely different top eight. I mean, especially if you're not allowing any of it, but you're going to have a completely different uh, style of play the next go around. And then you can go back to the old busted stuff that, you know, worked the first time if you want to. Or maybe you found a team that you really liked the second time around, so you stick with that. But uh, as far as when it comes to competitive play, and this is like from someone who's not competitive at all, I just really think doing any kind of ban list is just completely against golden age in general. Um, and not, not to say silver age is anything close to golden age, but, uh, as they're approaching Mm -hmm. that kind of territory, the whole like golden part of golden age, the whole awesome ability of golden age is to pull all these old broken, busted kind of like shenanigans. Um, now clearly don't allow certain things, what those things would be would I mean in my opinion Felix Faust is probably the only one that I would keep on there uh, but like even Zombie Super Scroll not even close to being bad compared to oh, stuff dude like not that even nowadays. anymore yeah, yeah. Uh, so like you know power creeps a thing modern's always gonna like overstep the old stuff uh, but if we keep banning things preemptively like I don't know the Teen Titans map before anyone even had it in hand it was banned. Uh, if we keep preemptively banning things based on people's opinions and assumptions, uh, I just feel like it's bad for the community as a whole. Because, I mean, not to get too inner circle-y, stepping out of my Billion Clicks Bruce persona, but it's just real lame. Let people lose to something. Like, I'd rather lose to something and be like, man, that's real busted than to have someone tell me, like, oh, you don't want to play against this, believe me. Let me just hide that from you. Uh, let me take the punch to the face before I decide, all right? Uh, I don't need you protecting me, whoever you are, Inner Circle. Uh, yeah. That's my my rambly rant. It's a long way of saying don't ban anything, yeah. but kind of ban some things. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, so here's my much simpler rant. I think if we truly want to focus on a spirit of the game, casual aspect, as far as Silver Age goes, um, don't allow characters with retaliation in the name or special power or whatever uh, to be only played at their lower dial. They can play those figures, but make them play them at a point value higher than their normal point value. Pretty simple. Uh, second up, ban all ID cards. Also, again, pretty simple. Uh, and then I'm taking this from the Clicks Cup as well, but maybe only allow one chase and then one super rare on your main force. And I, I would even say uh, main force and sideline. So you can have one chase on your main force, one chase on your sideline, or one super rare on your main force and one super rare on your sideline if you want to have whatever, a super rare flash and a super rare Wonder Woman on the sideline for shifting focus, etc. I think that's kind of cool. I think that's fun. I think that would keep spirit of the game about as well on a live as you can. Personally, I'm against uh, keeping making it have to be a theme team or have to be a named theme team because that's not how I would build my teams. But that's me on a personal basis. I would normally build my teams on how characters look together. Stars and stripes, etc. Stuff like that. That's how I did it. That's how dad does it. That's how America does it. <laughs> Darn it. The rest of the quote from Iron Man. So yeah, like... I think, uh, so if, that's, that's if I was going to take at. the casual aspect of how to reign in silver, have a like percentage of the point cap have to be not modern because man, uh, I get like silver's newish enough that there's really just not a ton of stuff to draw from. But if you said like 50% of your build has to be rotated that would shift up a lot. I would like, like that too. I would um, really, I would like that too. Yeah. 50% of your build, 150 points of your build can't for, be modern. Casual, That's really good. If you comboed that with the, uh, no retaliation thing. So people couldn't just be like, all right, uh, 15 carnages. Oh wait, no, 12 carnages and a mm -hmm. Mangog. Um, yep. As long as like, you know, you had like some other thing for, and this is specifically for casual. Uh, I think silver is good for casual in its current form. I think it's just way too accessible from like the competitive aspect. So I don't think it's, I don't think we've seen a good silver casual yet, but uh, it's definitely possible if you implement some sort of like point cap, because the best part of playing silver is you get to play rotated figures, right? So yeah, why exactly. would you not do that? Why would you play? So when I feel that pressure to win, I end up silver. just playing modern stuff. Yeah, why? Why would you? I mean, I get for like the Scott Porter Invitational because there was other like barriers for the team build, so it's mm -hmm. way too easy to play like Fantastic Four or X Men and draw from the newer stuff, um, or even like Wonder Woman or you know, I mean anything. It's way it's way easier to grab the newer stuff because there was that extra like barrier of the build. Um, but in just like general for silver age, why would you not build with silver age figures? Why would you build a modern team in a silver age event? So strange to me. It is, it is quite odd. Uh, so no, I agree with that. Uh, next up, we had a question from iZone Bill, also on our Discord, for our Patreon exclusive Discord, he said, if you had a custom Switch Clicks of yourself, what would be the base that you would put your Switch Clicks on? And uh, he said his would be the Cosmic Clash Star Set Doom, which is like, whew, powerful beast right there, baby. <laughs> 
Simeon, uh, first of all, what would your switch clicks look like? What would you have them make? Uh, oh, and tell I... me what would be first couple figures that come to mind. Um, or, uh, whatever putting it on. It would either it would either be me and like my work harness, and then I could get like some sort of like leap climb kind of dial. Um, well, not dial, but like I could be put on a dial that already has that. Um, or it would be. Uh, of course, billion clicks, Bruce. Because I mean, that's that's oh, really, yeah. that's the only true answer. Got is, uh, it's got yeah. the, the billion clicks, Bruce. Um, man, I I don't know. Uh, as far as as far as like what would billion clicks, Bruce look like? Because I mean, he can take a chair shot. Uh, he can put down that's a true. ranch hand with a single DDT. Um, okay okay let's calm down technically we played the whole day so <laughs> calm down there uh let's a single ddt ladies and gentlemen um i think something like uh i want to say he's he's more of like a mastermind kind of guy and less of a like solid fighter kind of thing um so with that in mind i'm thinking the Baron Zemo from uh, the Cap, the Avengers versus Masters of Evil set, the the Baron Zemo or Red Skull that have uh, the Red Skull with poison or outwit, and then the Baron Zemo that's either leadership or his leadership perplex with blades. Um, those would be solid options, I think. Okay, nice. Uh, mine is also along those same lines. Uh, I would have to do uh, the Rowdy Ranch hand for sure. So that's like the belts, the jorts, uh, KT tape, if necessary, that week type of deal. The hat, obviously, my like staple and everything. Like, I think that's a good look. I think it's a solid choice. I would, uh, I think, I think that'd be really fun. Uh, holding a chair would be really cool, or like the boot would be kind of funny, or just like uh, my, well, my hammer. That'd be sweet too. Yeah. So, like, I would be like any of those would be really, really sweet. Uh, and then I would, uh, I would put this guy. I would buy this figure and then I'd put it on the style. But I would give it to the uh, the deep cuts unpainted Wolverine. I think it would be really funny. Uh, he's charged flurry, so we'd be like double chair shot. No, whatever. I think that'd be really fun. His his biggest uh, reducer is toughness, which I think is fine. Um, and then you know some like blades and stuff doesn't really totally fit, but I think uh, I think that's really funny. The battle fury could be like Improved whenever I like did a raid. Very impressive. yeah, that's huge. That's really big. Um, but then like as fun, obviously I put him on like every switch clicks Captain America, and then I would like swap him out for whatever zombie I feel like that week. For like just being on the oh, switch yeah. clicks on the, the zombie, zombie team base. base would be really funny. Yeah. Uh so yeah, man, that's that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fun question. Um and I mean it's since it's already been a prize, this will I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I, I imagine this could be a prize going forward every year. Uh just like uh design a figure or design a bystander or whatever, um, pick a legacy card. They've got all these new implements and options for prizing that really, they feel super special. Designing a character always felt like the greatest prize you could have in Heroclix. Having your name and your oh, own yeah. design 
on the board. That always seemed like a really cool thing. Um, having your own sculpt on a dial would just wouldn't be quite as cool because you don't get to pick the dial, but it's still you in Heroclix form. So that's that's just as interesting. Uh, I think the most lucrative. Uh, prize of all is picking a legacy card because once they've locked it in you can just uh, if you if you had such a mind a devious mind and you locked in whichever legacy card you were creating you could buy all the secondhand market up before anyone else knew and then Ooh. you would have the only supply so if i was if i truly was like ah yes uh nick fury super rare from agents of fury Ooh. Uh, or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I just go and buy those all up at $6, and then once the Legacy card comes out and it's super busted, then suddenly I'm selling them all for, like, I don't know, $30. Wow, what a Money. Turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just... Luckily, you don't have to worry about me doing that, because I'm not good enough at Heroclix to ever be in that position, so... True. So uh, here's the thing, like, I imagine... Great ideas and no way to implement them. Right, like, the legacy card is a huge one. It's a super huge one. I, I just, I love, really, really like these. Um, because the last few winners haven't been allowed, or for whatever reason, haven't had their sculpt, uh, or themselves on the sculpt of their championship figure. It's just been the name drop on the back of the card. So, if they aren't doing that anymore, I think the custom switch clicks, even though it's going to be unpainted, is cool cool idea uh also uh make it fast forces of everybody that's ever been a uh, switch clicks and make it unpainted i think it'd be hilarious um so like so you can own we could get like they did like teams. So you can also own them yeah it'd be kind of funny right like i think that'd be cool um especially if you're paying something like i don't know four thousand dollars uh i could think that'd be enough to mass produce a, a version of that type of deal or like if they did like hero clicks teams gets all three of you guys and then each of you get a copy or something like that that'd be cool you know i think for sure for teams that'd be the coolest switch clicks thing too because then you can put all of you guys on a team base it's really sweet so no i, I like it a lot and those are all the questions we got this week ladies and gentlemen before we go though, I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys a quick Jedi Legend Hero Clicks tip of the week. You don't want to sell me death sticks. I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. He says, uh, new knockback is bittersweet. It's more bitter than sweet, to be honest with you, Jedi. Uh, it's limited to three squares, up to three squares. It no longer causes knockback damage. Charge and combat reflexes are no longer immune to knockback. So that is actually really important to remember is that the charge and combat reflexes no longer uh, get rid of knockback. So you can at least knock them back now, but once again, no damage anymore. And actually, I had a few games where I rolled doubles against walls that actually would have changed if knockback damage were still still a thing. It's not a thing, so I don't know why I'm talking about it. But yeah, it does not exist anymore. Something to keep in mind. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our show. I want to remind you guys, we make all sorts of really fun, crazy, cool, creative content over on our YouTube channel. So even if you don't want to watch any videos, just go over and subscribe if you have a YouTube account. Uh, it really helps us out. We really enjoy making content for the YouTube channel. We think it's really fun. It's like a little mini hobby at this point. Um, and a lot of you guys like the videos. So if you guys want to you know, continue that, like them. We have actually quite the backlog of videos to watch. And I know a lot of people that just find the channel or just start doing it don't ever. I mean, I 
Do I ever go through a backlog of some other YouTube channel? Honestly, no. Uh, but we have pretty much every single Heroclix set ever, uh, like main booster set. We have, we've played it, and then we have several pretty darn funny skit videos as well as our live videos like our clicks busters our hero clicks hot ones and our uh hero clicks show rowdy ranch hand billion billion clicks bruce extreme rules uh video is hilarious so check out like all of those on our youtube channel guys as well as all our funny comedy skits uh if you haven't yet, uh, really helps grow the show. Leave a review on whatever you listen to us on, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, whatever. Really helps other people see the show when they search for Hero Clicks. So if you want to you know, grow the community and everything, that's big. If you want to follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, like us and stuff like that on Facebook, that also really helps the show to a degree. So we super appreciate that. Got to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers uh, to quote the Wolf of Wall Street there. Um, I think it's the Wolf of Wall Street. I've never seen either movie that it might be from, but we'll just yeah. go with it. It's Matthew yeah. McConaughey, whatever it is. Probably. Yeah. And it's what's his face? Caprio. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Caprio's in the Wolf of Wall Street, but McConaughey's. Anyways, uh, I know I don't know about movies, guys. I'm sorry. But yeah, that's all I've got to say. Uh, so thank you guys so much. And of course, if you want to support the show financially, like I said at the top of the show, check out our Patreon. We we super duper appreciate that. And we I like to think we give you guys a really good value uh, for Patreon at, at every value, at every tier. So definitely check that out. But yeah, that is all I've got to say. Yeah. And some point we'll be uploading all the, uh, the all the pre-show banter and bloopers in some form or fashion i'll get and there's a lot actually editing there's a them. lot and i have to edit them down just because they're like super long and there's a lot of silences when like we're like getting up to grab water and stuff before the show and things like that uh, but those will be coming soon so <laughs> patrons have already gotten a few tastes throughout the random episodes uh but there's way too many in my backlog and I want to start deleting them so I'll have to upload them at some point but with that Dial H for Heroclix is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com where you can find cool stuff in stock every day so check them out at CoolStuffInc.com Happy trails So if you're looking for emotional satisfaction my advice to you is seek professional Heroclix No Are you serious? Again? How many people even play this game? Like a hundred? Instant deadpan humor Six people think I am funny. It's the hard day's work. Not that you know anything about that. Which absolute fools? It's not Witcher nonsense. I'm gonna make hero clips like that forever. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey Google, back some. Let's attack him because he's a jerk. Wow, wow, wow.